This program is brought to you by the Genesis Communications Network, a world leader in talk radio since 1998. Visit GCNlive.com today. They're here. Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. So this week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll feature the one and only Crackberry Kevin, and he'll be here to explain that there is a new BlackBerry smartphone in town. Imagine that, and we'll hear all about that in the history of BlackBerry. We'll also hear from our old friend Joe Kissel, and he has a new book out called Take Control of Your Digital Legacy. How about that? All this and more coming up on the Tech Night Owl Live. (laughs) Crackberry Kevin, I bet they told a lot of funny stories about you. There have been many stories over the years and, and many that we've caused to happen. L- lots of crazy things. I've been Crackberry Kevin for a decade now, for better or for worse, and uh, it, it comes with its privilege. But thank you for having me on the show. I'm really excited to be here and, and talk about BlackBerry, the thing I love talking about more than anything else. Okay, of course, you're not going to be in danger of anything. You're in Canada. You're safe. It is true. Th- yes, it's. Uh, I feel so... Uh, we're friendly Canadians, right? We don't judge, we don't criticize, we welcome, but it's it's very interesting, the uh, spectator sport of uh, America, as we like to look at it at now. This is not a political show, so we shan't get into that. <laughs> okay, let us talk about the BlackBerry. Let me tell you a story. Back in the early 2000s, I remember visiting the local pharmacy for different things, and the pharmacy manager would show off his latest electronic gadget. So on a few occasions, he shows off his BlackBerry. I didn't really get into it, but I watched it with amusement and I tried it out. And then one day, I talked to him and he says, I got a new gadget today. And he takes out an iPhone. So that says a lot right there. We had a dedicated BlackBerry customer who went iPhone, like a lot of people. But before we get to that, Kevin, what about the history of BlackBerry? You know, it used to be such a prestigious company, a Canadian company, so you have to feel proud of that. And things kind of went astray in adapting to something new. So tell us, how did this company come to be? I mean, BlackBerry were pioneers, right? So you you need to uh, think about, you know, without them, we may not be in the smartphone game era we are in today. Co-founder Mike Lazaridis, uh, Jim Balsilli, these are guys, and, and, you know, Mike was the engineer behind it all, who kind of took the little bits of technology that were available to him and looked at the networks uh, as they were available to him back in the day, before we had even the 3G or LTE or, or edge networks. They were running on something called Mobitex, which I'm not sure if you remember what that is or not. And he was figuring out how to make people and, and data travel through those networks. And, and the BlackBerry smartphone, you know, that your uh, pharmacist friend had, 
at its core, it started as a two-way pager. The first devices BlackBerry made were not called smartphones. They were, you know, wireless handheld communicators. And, and the tagline used to reflect that when you sent a message or an email through them. And that original BlackBerry smartphone with the BlackBerry operating system or the BBOS, as, uh, as most people refer to it as, it literally was a two-way pager. So over the years, as BlackBerry added features to it, at its core, it was still a two-way pager. So when your pharmacist switched to an iPhone, you know the BlackBerry he, he he would have had before that, which was probably a pretty decent smartphone by that point in time. You know, it had a camera, it had multimedia, it had all these other things. You could literally strip down the software iterations and and strip it all the way back to being a two-way pager because that was the software. So as much as they innovated building the RIM wireless communicator at the time they didn't lay out a vision of what we're using our smartphones for today, right? This was not multimedia. This was not apps to that extent, because what they were dealing with physics at the time was being able to send very little data over the air. The networks we have now, like LTE, just didn't exist. So when they designed it, they weren't thinking about that future. They were thinking about how do we take what's available to us now and maybe a little ways into the future and make something that's you know extremely data efficient and usable for, for people and very communications focused, very secure. That's where they started. So when Apple came out with that iPhone, it became a real, a real paradigm shift in terms of what the expectations of a smartphone were going to be. And BlackBerry could have made some different decisions at the time. And, and if you want to get into it, I'd be happy to dive into some of the, uh, the big mistakes they made. You know, but we should go into the weeds. We want to see how a company with so much promise kind of lost it there. But just to kind of interrupt here and get into the middle of this. So they saw... A future, but they didn't see far enough in the future, or maybe they didn't adapt their vision as the years went by? I think so. So they got caught in the, the scary spot of being super successful with a product that was not going to be, you know, you could you could all almost call it like that. They had that first mover advantage, which gave them the market position. And then they, they built a brand that got them the attention and they built the global distribution network to sell a lot of these things, but it wasn't going to be the ultimate product. So if you think about, say, Apple on the sidelines, you know, they they didn't start at the beginning, right? They watched what Palm was doing and BlackBerry was doing and Windows Mobile was doing. They were able to sit out of the smartphone game altogether and say like, okay, we see what's happening here. We see the features that are working. We see where consumer demand is going. And then they were able to work behind the scenes for a couple of years to then you know, build this product that was very future looking. And they didn't have to worry about, you know, quarterly sales of their iPhone at that point, because they had zero sales. In the meantime, you have BlackBerry, who's, you know, publicly traded every quarter, they need to show their investors the results they're getting. And they had to build a, you know, sales organization that allowed them to sell more and more phones quarter after quarter. And that's what they were doing. Like, if you go back to some of the interviews that were given around, uh, you know, 2010, 2009, 2011, even even like after the, the first iPhone came out, you know, the CEO at the time um, or the, the, the two CEOs at the time were fairly bullish to say, like, look, we're, we're shooting to the moon. <laughs> uh, this thing is either going to, you know, be a rocket ship forever. Or it's going to crash and burn. And he was being a little tongue in cheek at the time. But when you look back at the way things played out, you know, kind of they went down that crash and burn trajectory. And the big problem BlackBerry had was, I think it was always going to become a two ecosystem game in mobile, just like it kind of did in PCs, right? Because having multiple big platforms becomes very, uh, 
it becomes very difficult for everybody else in the space, like app developers or any company that wants to have a presence on that platform. They have to support so many things. So, you know, two platforms people are willing to invest in supporting. More than that, it gets it gets messy. And, you know, BlackBerry started in that position of being number one in smartphones. And they they made decisions that wanted to maintain that, you know, wanted to keep them there. But because they had to respond so quickly to Apple, they ended up taking the platform they had built, which was, again, a two-way pager at the core. And, you know, their response to the iPhone was to launch the BlackBerry Storm on Verizon since Apple had an AT&T exclusive at the time. That BlackBerry operating system was never made to work for touchscreens, right? It was never envisioned to be a touchscreen interface. Yet here they go and they promise Verizon that they're going to have a response to the iPhone in the BlackBerry Storm. And they put in tons of resources taking their antiquated OS that was a two-way pager at the core and making it compete against an iPhone. What they should have done at that time to get into the weeds is started building their BlackBerry 10 for, platform, which didn't launch officially until 2013. Had they started building that platform in you know, 2007, 2008, once they saw that, okay, smartphones are clearly going to become this product that everybody will own and it'll be about apps and media, they could have taken on Android at that point in time head-to-head and, and probably given their market share and, and just how long it took for Android to even uh, shore itself up over the years could have been in a much, much better position. But that was kind of massive mistake number one. Their response to the iPhone was to try to make the BlackBerry OS into a modern day OS when it was not, right? It was literally a two-way pager at the core. A little bit later, we'll be hearing from author Joe Kissel. He'll be talking about his recent book, Take Control of Your Digital Legacy. But right now, we've got more to come with Crackberry Kevin, (laughs) Kevin Mitchelluck. And we'll be talking more about the history of BlackBerry and where things went wrong in our next segment and strange what might have been if they had seen what they had to do and started on this new OS. More to come on the Tech Night Out Live. Neighbors, I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app, It's the award-winning Graphic Converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features. And most important, it's easy to use. It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Let me spell that. www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation. 
documentation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper, article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. Imagine what it's like to be active your whole life and then find out you're going blind. I have age-related macular degeneration, or AMD. As a wife, mother, and grandmother, my sight is precious to me, so I was relieved to find that treatments for some forms of AMD are available and research for additional treatments is underway. Call the Foundation Fighting Blindness today at 1-800-BLINDNESS for a free packet on reversing or managing AMD. Or go to the website, fightblindness.org, where I found so much helpful information. Call 1-800-BLINDNESS today. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. Do you feel like you're losing control over your finances? If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services and take advantage of the Fresh Start program and new laws that may allow Allow us to negotiate a settlement for the lowest amount possible. Our team of tax attorneys and enrolled agents can stop collections and get you protected so you can take control of your financial future. Tax Mediation Services is accredited by the Better Business Bureau. Call now for a free case review and a price protection guaranteed quote. Call Tax Mediation Services now at 800-615-7709. That's 800-615-7709. 800-615-7709. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Now, in a very vague sense, don't know if you've really followed Apple's history, Crackberry, Kevin, but Apple hit a crossroads in the mid-90s, not just because they made stupid decisions about hardware, but the operating system was really old. It didn't embrace new operating system features like preemptive multitasking stuff that sounds like geek talk now, but it, we accept it. They had this old operating system that was getting creakier and creakier, and they were packing stuff on it, and it was getting less and less stable. And their decision was to buy an operating system and adapt it to the Mac, which is how Steve Jobs came back to Apple. So with BlackBerry, they had this ancient operating system, as you say, built for two-way pagers, and suddenly they're put in a position where they've got to basically reinvent the wheel. 
And they waited too long or were they too confident that they could keep going until then? So they tried to do both at once is what happened. So in the response to the iPhone, they kept improving the BlackBerry operating system. They made it touchscreen friendly and they put a lot of resources into it to really polish it up as best they could. Now, there was some legacy stuff that kind of compromised that experience from ever being just as robust as you'd want, right? Like there were certain limitations into how it used memory and and just how much specs you could throw at it. And it, it, it felt like it got, like you said, it got creaky, right? It, it got a little bit, things could go wrong quickly with the operating system if they made a mistake, right? But what they did in the meantime is they kept releasing phones with this BlackBerry OS operating system. And some of them quite good. You know, I think the BlackBerry Bolt 9900, for example, is still today if you go back through BlackBerry history of all the many phones they released, that was a BlackBerry OS phone on the original OS, but it's probably the purest expression of what that original operating system evolved to, where the keyboard was fantastic. You know, it did have a touch usable display on it, even though most people on that phone probably didn't use it very much. And it was just the ultimate little handheld uh, smartphone. That didn't come to market, I want to say, until I think 2012. And they were still waiting for their new operating system to launch. But the way they started to launch their new operating system was, was what Apple did. They actually bought another OS, and they bought something called QNX, which was a microkernel operating system, really respected for its efficiency, its speed, and its security, and used throughout industry. So this is an operating system that's used in automotive. It's used to power nuclear plants, for example. It just doesn't crash. And if it ever has a process that crashes, it'll never bring down the, the whole operating system. It'll actually like restart the process and, and, and maintain stability. Now, one so, point to mention here, it's possibly true that the operating system on your car is QNX. And one other thing to mention here, which came later, one of the founders of QNX is working at Apple on Project Titan, their project for self-driving cars, just to mention that. Exactly. So, okay. Now, with QNX, did they try then to move their smartphone platform to QNX? Well, yes, but not right away. They started by launching the BlackBerry Playbook tablet. So in the meantime, while BlackBerry's response to the iPhone is to launch the BlackBerry Storm, which wasn't so good, so they had to release the Storm 2 as the follow-up, along with some other keyboard phones in the, in, along the way, since those were touchscreen devices, the Storms, they launched the BlackBerry Playbook as a response to the iPad. The playbook ran on this QNX operating system, and they called it the BlackBerry Playbook OS. So, of course, as a microkernel, it's not filled out with all the stuff a user sees, right? All the actual user interface on top and the app framework. Everything needs to still be built out on top of that core, uh, that core operating system at, at, at the root of it all. But they launched the playbook. And, and honestly, in all of the years of covering BlackBerry, the BlackBerry Playbook launch event or unveiling was one of the most exciting times because it was actually unexpected. One of the things that made Crackberry Kevin over the years was I was very good at knowing all the rumors, all the leaks. I would get my hands on these phones before BlackBerry ever announced them. You know, for a period of years there, I was the first one to have, you know, the newest BlackBerry in the world and, you know, review this thing before the company ever announced it. It was, it was, it was a lot of fun. The Playbook caught us totally by surprise, and it looked fantastic because now you had an operating system clearly built for touch. And even compared to iOS at the time or Android at the time, this looked really future looking. It was actually a little more reminiscent of WebOS, where it was using a card kind of 
paradigm to it. You could swipe up from the bezels to, to you know, make things on the screen minimize. It was very powerful multitasking, which at the time, you know, Apple was still kind of getting uh, uh, ripped on for not being sort of clear in how that worked. So this was a very uh, powerful looking operating system, uh, just in terms of how a user would use it, the, the way it would handle multiple apps, and people were excited. So they launched the playbook. It took them a while to bring it to market after they sort of teased it with the unveiling. But they kind of messed up, and and they did this thing where they launched the playbook without email. Because for BlackBerry to be able to build the email infrastructure the same way they had it on their smartphone OS was going to be a whole nother beast they had to solve still. Before they could start putting BlackBerry 10 on phones, they would have to solve all these problems. But in the meantime, they launched the playbook almost as an accessory to BlackBerry smartphones, and they came up with some really band-aid solutions to make it the email from your smartphone. Your phone would Bluetooth pair to this tablet, and then it would get the email from your smartphone. But once you drop the connection, there would be no email on the tablet anymore. And it just wasn't a, like a standalone device. And the way they positioned it and the way they sold it, hardcore BlackBerry people liked it, but it never took off as anything more. Mm-hmm. Apple sort of kind of does that in the way it talks with iOS and macOS, which is something called continuity. Mm-hmm. And it has another feature called handoff, which works with the recent versions of Bluetooth. And it allows you to start a task on your Mac or on your iPad or iPhone, like an email or word processing document, and finish it on the other device. So in a sense, having an application talk across platforms, that's something that BlackBerry tried to do. But I agree with you. It was ridiculous to force people to buy two devices to use email. It, it was not good. And, and even this wasn't as polished as, as continuity is, right? It was more like the playbook was a mirror or a monitor for the email on your phone. It was like when you were using email on the playbook, you were effectively doing the task on your phone that was connected to it just through a bigger viewing port. So it wasn't even as good. And the way BlackBerry sold it as like a great productivity tool in this, people made fun of it, right? Like the, the broad you know message from every tech pundit out there was that it was a half-baked tablet. Instead, BlackBerry probably should have taken more of an Apple approach and just been unapologetic about it and just said, look, here is our playbook tablet. If you own a BlackBerry, this is the best accessory for it you can buy. If you don't own a BlackBerry, don't worry about it. It's not for you right now. And had they come to market saying that really clearly and boldly, it probably would have been a good, successful product as we talk about it today. But the way they tried to sell it is like, this is the playbook. It is the productivity tablet of our times, yada, yada, yada. It just did not go over so well with everybody. So this is already where BlackBerry was going through its tough days because they were starting to lose market share now. The expectations were raised everywhere of what a smartphone and a tablet should do. And what they were bringing to market at that point was still good for certain people and still fantastic for certain people. Still, you know, a BlackBerry smartphone was still a great uh, mobile communication device. It was still the securest device on the planet. It was still, you know, supported and vetted by governments and everybody else. But it was obviously becoming long in the tooth. We've got more to come with CrackBerry Kevin, the history of BlackBerry, and then we'll get on to what they're trying to do now to save the company on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. 
Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. Looking for that edge during those intimate moments? We see many ads for enhancement, but the side effects include death. At GCN Team, we should change the Healthy Body Brain and Heart Pack to the Healthy Libido Pack. The brain and heart are not the only organs that require a healthy vascular system. For proper blood flow at the right moment, go to GCNTeam.com or call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. My computer is so slow, it's making me crazy. I used to have that problem. Did you quit using a computer or or did you buy a new one? No, I called Geeks on Site. They made an appointment to visit my home and showed up the same day. You mean they didn't ask you to bring your computer to a shop? That's what happened when I called a support company. Geeks on Site can go to your home or business or even repair your computer online. They have 24-7 emergency service. If you're having problems with your PC or Mac, call Geeks on Site. 1-800-591-1682. Our friendly certified computer repair Repair experts are available 24-7. Call now for a free diagnosis. 1-800-591-1682. Data recovery, virus removal, and maintenance for all laptops, desktops, printers, and networks. That's Geeks on Site for friendly, certified computer repair experts. Available 24-7 over the phone or in your home or business. Just call 1-800-591-1682. That's 1-800-591-1682. 1-800-591-1682. Are you happy washing your hands with harsh chemicals? Are you happy doing laundry with detergents? Are you happy paying high prices? Find your happiness with Pure Soap. These all-natural, earth-friendly Pure Soaps are the very best you've ever used. Buy in bulk. Get a 12, 36, or 48-month supply. Or get items individually and still save big. You're getting soap products twice as good as what you're using now. Earth-friendly and natural soaps. Your family deserves the best. Happiness is 5starsoap.com. Why not put your money up the drain for a change? See them at 5starsoap.com or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. Calben Soap Company can save you thousands of dollars and give you good old-fashioned real soaps that are triple concentrated. Soaps made from vegetable and coconut oils. See their full selection of soaps at 5starsoap.com. That's F-I-V-E starsoap.com. Or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. InjuryHelpDesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office, Las Vegas, Nevada. Attention. If you or a loved one had a total or reverse shoulder replacement between 2011 and 2016 and suffered serious complications, including dislocation and loosening, you may be entitled to substantial compensation. Evidence indicates that these devices can dislocate and loosen, causing severe pain and may require additional revision surgery. If you or a loved one had a total or reverse shoulder replacement and suffered a dislocation and loosening requirement, Requiring a revision, call 800-598-0696. If you or a loved one had a total or reverse shoulder replacement between 2011 and 2016 and suffered serious complications, including dislocation and loosening, you may be entitled to substantial compensation. Time is limited to file a claim. Act now. For more information and a free consultation, call 800-598-0696. That's 800-598-0696. Again, that's 800-598-0696. Call now. 
Live with Gene Steinberg. It's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next. If you want to support the Tech Night Owl Live, neighbors, this is the best way to do it. Become a member of Tech Night Owl Plus. And Plus means you get an enhanced version of this show free of the network ads, virtually commercial free. Go to plus, P-L-U-S dot technightowl.com, P-L-U-S plus dot technightowl.com. Subscription story, just $1.49 a week. We have Crackberry Kevin joining us. Of course, he occupies his day job with Mobile Nations, and they bring out a lot of great tech web portals. And we're talking here about the things that the people at then Research in Motion, before it became BlackBerry Inc., had done to screw things up. Another possibility, I would think, just recalling what happened, is maybe dedicate special resources towards the email and tell customers, this is what it does now. And if you like it, get yourself a BlackBerry and you have this integrated product. But we are working on the email, and at some point in time, it will be independent. Exactly. And I think they kind of got there with the playbook, but you know, it was the same thing that happened, right? Was, again, coming back to mistakes made, right? In 2007, had they just said, okay, this Apple product, this iPhone is going to, you know, has raised the standards. Let's go heads down for a couple of years and just build our next generation platform. And they started to build the Playbook OS, not actually launched the tablet, just kept working on it, built the email, built everything, and then launched maybe in 2009 or 2010, this brand new smartphone platform that would would have been, you know, BlackBerry 10 as we know it uh, now, but instead of waiting till 2013, it would have launched three years sooner. I think there could have been a very different game, even in the way you know things shook out with Android and you know kind of demise of BlackBerry in, in that time frame, or just you know the, the step back with it. But instead, the playbook became another product like the Storm, where they just had to keep putting all their company resources into fixing this thing that was now sort of like dirt smeared or egg smeared across their face. Eventually, Playbook OS evolved, and and they kept working on it behind the scenes, and they finally unveiled BlackBerry 10, which became the new platform they were going to put their smartphones on. That eventually launched officially in 2013. You know, it was January, I forget the exact date, if it was January 27th or 28th, 2013, you know, huge launch event in New York that was done globally. And this was the rebirth of BlackBerry. And, and by this time, you know, the original CEO and, and uh, or co-CEOs were ousted from the company. We had the second CEO come in, Torsten Hines, really great guy. You know, he came into kind of a messy situation where, BlackBerry 10 as kind of the savior for the operating system in the company was so far along that it had to be seen through. So he really whipped the teams into shape to bring that to market and launch the BlackBerry Z10 and uh, the BlackBerry Q10. But it was 2013 at that point in time. And by that time now, market share for Android and Apple is huge. BlackBerry is taking a step back. By that time, they've already burnt so many carrier relationships because the old CEOs were just doing some some silly things uh, in running the business and getting you know defensive and, and I'd say over-promising and under-delivering. BlackBerry 10 was only going to work for the masses if they could get the app ecosystem support that Android and Apple were enjoying. And you know when they unveiled... BlackBerry 10 in 2013 on stage, you know, the promise was there that we're going to get all the support from all the different platforms and apps in the world, right? So you're going to have your Netflix and your Instagram and everything. And ultimately, 
those promises were not really delivered. So, you know, after the launch happened, you know, there was delays, right? That It took longer for the phones to come to market. The carrier support was there. But then once the apps didn't materialize, the carrier support was not nearly as strong as you would have expected. And they still sold a lot of BlackBerry 10 phones to a core community of, you know, BlackBerry enthusiasts, hardcore BlackBerry users, you know, certain businesses, institutions that were committed to it still. But it never took off, right? And at that point, BlackBerry, the last couple of years, in this, you know, last three years in the U.S. has mainly been a forgotten brand. I don't think the brand is beat up as it, it was back in the day. You know, I think everybody remembers kind of that uh, the big fall of BlackBerry from maybe 2011 to 2012, you know, 2010, 2011, 2012, just because the stock price took a beating. You know, the original CEOs were, were getting beat up in the press. After 2013, when they brought it to BlackBerry 10 to market, I think actually the sentiment was pretty positive from the media. I think everybody loves a comeback story, so they were looking for it. And when it didn't happen, it just wasn't, it was kind of sad, right? And now what's exciting is, They've gone Android. It's a whole new era of BlackBerry starting again. Okay, maybe let's talk about how to bring it back. Now, to point out here is that Microsoft has done no better than BlackBerry. Their Windows mobile phone or Windows 10 phone or whatever the heck they call it this hour, that all failed. Microsoft did no better than BlackBerry. And Microsoft spent a lot of money trying to build the ecosystem support, like the, like paying developers lots of money to build apps and bring apps to the platform. And, you know, BlackBerry didn't participate as much in that sort of trying to compel <laughs> support for the ecosystem. But it's, it's tough. Android and Apple definitely won. Right. It's a two-horse race market here. It's Apple and Android. And you kind of wonder here, if you look at the early prototypes of Android... And some of the early phones that even Samsung was playing with, they all look like knockoffs of BlackBerry. Oh, totally. I mean, I've, I've, I reviewed the original T-Mobile G1. You know, that was the first Android phone. And it had a trackball like a BlackBerry. And it had a, you know, it was a, a horizontal slider keyboard or a landscape keyboard. But absolutely, they were ruthless about just saying, hey, at that point in time, BlackBerry was still number one in smartphones, so we will start by ripping off their, their basic features and mindset. And then once it became clear that Apple was going to be leading that race, they very quickly took Android and said, okay, we'll go after what Apple's doing here. This seems to be the, the, uh, the thing to commit to. They didn't pull any punches. They were very clear about just taking the best ideas and you know, kind of evolving them to become their own. Like I did with Apple. Okay, so let's talk about BlackBerry trying to come back. So 2013 doesn't do it for them. It's four years later. What happened in those four years to give BlackBerry a hope? So... So, I mean, I think they made the same mistake they made back in 2007, right? In 2007, when the iPhone came out, had they just said, you know what, we need to build our new platform now. Let's go all in on this thing. You know, it'll take a few years. It's going to hurt a little bit, but then we'll, we'll have this thing ready to go and it'll be fantastic. That could have been the first pivotal cha- pivotal change in their history. This became the second one because when they went so hard on building BlackBerry 10, in hindsight, and I mean, it's always 2020, had they said, you know, it is going to become a, a two pony race here, two horse race. And if Google's involved with Android and Apple's the other player, it may be, it may prove very difficult for BlackBerry to be out Googling Google at this game, right? Had they just committed to Android back in that time frame instead of launching BlackBerry 10, 
I think you would have seen BlackBerry out Samsung, Samsung in the smartphone race because BlackBerry's brand would have still been strong. They had the global distribution network, you know, as in they had carriers in, you know, 250 plus countries already selling their devices and they could have brought out Android phones, you know, maybe even again, kind of done both at the same time. Like here's your BlackBerry traditional experience. Here's your BlackBerry with Android experience because Android was still raw, right? It wouldn't have had the security story that BlackBerry always had and that kind of thing. But had they started back then bringing out BlackBerry on Android, I think you could have seen a totally different gameplay out because BlackBerry's brand was well-received still and they, they knew how to sell phones through carriers and market those phones. Instead, BlackBerry 10, BlackBerry 10, and they put all their horse, you know, all their money and, and investment and energy into really trying to make that work. And even the last, you know, after 2013 with the first two phones that, that launched, they kept launching more BlackBerry 10 phones. They launched the BlackBerry Classic and the BlackBerry Z30 and, and the, the BlackBerry Passport, the BlackBerry Leap. They launched a portfolio of phones over the next couple of years that did find some market share. But without the ecosystem support, without the app support, they were never going to go into you know being sort of that mainstream potential, like uh, appealing to everybody. And, and even for myself, like after 2013, I basically went into Crackberry Kevin retirement because I'm like you. I like the best tech, right? I've, I, I, the reason I liked BlackBerry and fell in love with it and became Crackberry Kevin wasn't that I just had some, uh, you know, magical love affair with this company. At the time, it was the absolute best tech on the market, and I, that's what I wanted in my life. Let's so, get to more of this with sure. Crackberry Kevin on the comeback of BlackBerry. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. The answer to being in control of your own health care is freedom from insurance. Become part of a group of self-pay patients that come together to share in each other's medical expenses. Individual share amounts begin at $107 a month and $347 for families. Choose from three health sharing programs. Holistic treatments may be eligible for sharing. See guidelines. Discount programs available for dental, vision, and pharmacy. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. Did you know there's a new group of water contaminants with unknown health effects? These emerging contaminants lurking in your water may include prescription over-the-counter drugs and new types of herbicides and pesticides. 
ProPure's improved Pro 1G2.0 filter meets NSF 401 standards to help reduce these emerging contaminants. To find out more, visit your authorized ProPure dealer or ProPureUSA.com. That's P-R-O-P-U-R-U-S-A.com. Being self-reliant is about being prepared and to do what you need to have your own source of renewable energy. Portable Solar LLC offers the most powerful EMP-hardened solar system on the market that is transportable from place to place, and the best part, it's very affordable. Contact them at PortableSolarLLC.com or call for details at 972-575-8875. SolArc EMP-hardened solar generator, energy insurance for your family or business. Call Portable Solar LLC today or go to PortableSolarLLC.com to check out their patent-pending technology. Hi there, Dick Allgaier here. I was a mainstream television news reporter for over three decades. I normally never do commercial endorsements. I am very skeptical of health supplements. But a friend of mine told me about his experience with Synergy One, so I purchased a bottle, and my wife and I have been using it for a few weeks now. I very much dislike so-called energy boosters, those little energy drinks that have caffeine and guarana and other things that make your heart race. This is not that. My experience with Synergy One has been great. My mood is better. My joints feel better. I have more vigor, more stamina, way increased productivity. My wife and I both noticed that we even dream more. So I recommend Synergy One. It's really good stuff. I'm having great results with it. Call 888-988-3325 or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorldWhey.com. You may own a knife, but if it's not an indie hammered knife, it's not a knife. From the forge to the grinder to the sheath, each indie hammered knife is handcrafted using God-given talent. The result is the sharpest edge a knife can have and a true work of art. See a variety of knives and the complete knife kit at ihknives.com. Indie hammered knives. Custom knives. Made in America. know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. The thing I wonder here, though, if BlackBerry is selling an Android phone, don't they become just another Android vendor like Samsung and LG, et cetera, et cetera? I don't think so. And I, th- I think we're starting to see it. And I've, I've been very lucky the last few weeks to have the new BlackBerry Key One that'll be coming to market shortly and available soon. You know, I have a pre-production unit and I've been using it. And there are many things that make a BlackBerry distinctly BlackBerry compared to other devices on Android. So in this case, you know, there's a hardware side of it we can talk about. There is a, um, you know, software side. There's little tweaks they've made to Android that make it feel very BlackBerry for anybody who's used the phone for a long time. And obviously with the Key One, there is a physical keyboard again, which is, you know, a bit of a throwback to many. But it's really interesting to see how addictive it is. And, you know, for me, the last four or five years, I've been predominantly a touchscreen person. I type, you know, nice and fast on a touchscreen. It took me about two days to get used to the keyboard on the Key One again, going back to, you know, pressing physical buttons. 
But then something kind of weird happened. Once you get back to using a phone with a physical keyboard, and I think those who've used it before of your listeners, they'll understand what I'm talking about. Those who've never used it before, they might think this is, you know, sounds crazy. But your ability to just pick up the phone and get stuff done really goes up. And it's more about the accuracy in any condition than all out typing speed. So if somebody says, well, I can type faster on my touchscreen than you can on your keyboard, they're probably right. You know, if you're sitting still or, or standing still and you're focused 100% on typing. But the difference with a phone like the Key One is it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I, when I pick up the phone, I know I'm going to get the thing done. And I could be in the back of a you know, New York City taxi bouncing around Midtown, and I can still put my head down, my two thumbs on that phone, and pound out messages, pound out emails, book a hotel without ever making a mistake and never tapping the wrong thing, which puts me into autocorrect hell, for lack of a better word. I found very uncon- like subconsciously, I wasn't thinking about it. It took me, again, a couple days to get used to it. And then it's like it was a time machine back to 2007 and I'm a crackberry addict again and I'm just using the phone to do a lot more. So I think visually the phone obviously stands out because there is a keyboard. You see it and you're like, that's a BlackBerry. Having Android on it gives me the ecosystem I've wanted on BlackBerry forever. For me, the past several years, to own a BlackBerry meant I had to carry a second phone because whether it was an iPhone in my other pocket or an Android phone in addition to a BlackBerry 10 phone because I just couldn't get the full, you know, access to my tech life that I would have wanted. So this is finally a BlackBerry that you can use that gives you everything you want because you have the full ecosystem support, the full set of apps, and then you have the best things of BlackBerry. So in this case, you have the keyboard. The battery life is insanely good, uh, like insanely good. That is one of those features that if you're a heavy communicator, you're, you know, you like to hustle, you're always out late, that kind of thing. When it could be 4 a.m. and you're still out working and your battery life still has, you know, 46% battery life or 55% battery life, it's worth it right there in a sense, right? It Compared to many other phones you could buy, this one is committed to delivering that. And, and for people in those types of roles where they want that, you know, reliability of having this as a tool, not just as a smartphone, but as a tool that helps them, you know, get their work done, I think it's really compelling. Let me ask you here. As I understand it, there's a company called TCL, that license BlackBerry from BlackBerry. Is that how it works? Correct. Uh, I'll give you the super quick overview. So You can take you know, your base- time with it. Okay. So BlackBerry, BlackBerry, the company that has you know the legacy we've been poking holes at for the past half hour here, but, but, but their 15-year legacy, the decision that the current CEO, John Chen, made uh, late last year was basically that BlackBerry is out of the hardware business. And they're not going to take the risk to, you know, invest in designing, building, marketing new BlackBerry smartphones. And he was very clear about that. So when, uh, you know, we're on our currently our third sort of administration at BlackBerry, it went from the original founders to Torsten Hines, who came in and really brought BlackBerry 10 to market. Once it was clear that BlackBerry 10 wasn't going to work and things were not going as well there, John Chen came in to basically, you know, fix things up and get the share price moving in, in the right direction. And he was very clear from day one to say, look, if I can make money selling BlackBerry smartphones, I will continue to make them. And he did make a few. He wasn't a necessarily a product guy. You know, he didn't come in loving like, I'm, you know, he wasn't a Steve Jobs product visionary. I want to make great smartphones. He was a business guy, right? He's, he came back, you know, he's more of like a, he's an operator, right? He's the accountant, the guy who's going to make these things work when he does the math at the end of the day. And he made the decision to say, look, I'm not going to lose money on this. And BlackBerry is becoming a software company. So, you know, if you're on your computer right now or your phone and you go to something like twitter.com slash BlackBerry or BlackBerry.com or Facebook.com slash BlackBerry, the message is loud and clear. 
BlackBerry is a software company. They are selling services to enterprises like their mobile device management services that can manage, you know, smartphones in, in businesses, government, et cetera, and, and not just Blackberries, but other, you know, Android devices, Apple, et cetera, as well. They're doing other security services that that they sell. They have a range of apps they make, et cetera. So basically all the really expensive stuff associated with building and selling smartphones falls off of BlackBerry's books. And now BlackBerry is a software company. But there's still demand for BlackBerry smartphones. So what he did is he entered into a licensing agreement currently with three different companies around the globe. And these licensees have the, the rights to basically launch and sell smartphones under the BlackBerry brand. So TCL, Communication, is the main licensee globally. And they're basically in every market except for India and Indonesia, where there you have local companies who have taken the rights basically to pr produce and sell BlackBerry smartphones for those, uh, those local markets. And TCL is operating basically under the brand BlackBerry Mobile now. So if you think about TCL, they have another well-known brand, which is Alcatel. You know, Alcatel is sold globally and, you know, in different markets, it's bigger, smaller. It's kind of perceived differently. Uh, I think often thought of as a challenger brand, right? It's more so about low-cost phones that sometimes pack pretty good specs, you know, very accessible. And now they have the second brand that they're launching, which is BlackBerry Mobile. And that's going to be what sells, in this case, the, when you see the BlackBerry Key 1 in carrier stores, when you see the commercials, you see advertising online, etc., you have to almost remember the story now. It's not John Chen's BlackBerry who is coming up with those ads or you know doing those carrier relationships or manufacturing the phone. It's actually BlackBerry Mobile, which is this brand under TCL Communication. It's been very interesting for me because I had the opportunity to basically help unveil the BlackBerry Key One. Uh, on stage in Barcelona at Mobile World Congress. And the timing was just amazing. So, you know, coming into 2017, to me, Crackberry Kevin was still in retirement, very much so, and hoping for the best, but not but not holding my breath that BlackBerry was going to be a turnaround story. It was kind of just, it's my old baby I love. It set me in my career in, in tech media and everything else. I'm a realist. And in uh, January in Vegas, I had a chance to see the, the basically the hand-built still, you know, prototype pre-production uh, pre device of the Key One. Then it was called the, uh, or codenamed the BlackBerry Mercury. And I picked it up and I was just like, oh, I really, really like this phone. Like I, in my hand, I'm like, feels like a BlackBerry. It had a big screen, obviously running Android Nougat. I'm like, okay, now I've got everything I need. And you know, the last couple of phones I was using, you know, I went from an iPhone 7 Plus to a Google Pixel XL, and now I picked this phone up. And the things I always loved about BlackBerry that the company stood for and some of those features are there. And then I have just a smooth running phone uh, on, on Android Nougat that's giving me, you know, all the apps I want. And I'm like, I love this thing. It turned out that February was CrackBerry's 10th anniversary. So... You know, I kind of said to myself, like, wow, you know, I was, I was thinking about coming out of retirement to do maybe a, a CrackBerry podcast and write a few articles, just sort of thanking the community for the 10 years of, of CrackBerryness, even though I haven't been very active in it in the past few years. You know, BlackBerry Mobile saw that and they invited me to come to Barcelona and help them help them unveil the device, which when you think about it, it's kind of interesting where I'm sort of the one personality that's still around through all these different eras of BlackBerry, going back to the early days of BlackBerry, through the second administration, into the third administration, and now into this new era of BlackBerry where, you know, they have licensees manufacturing the phones. So it was quite a privilege, and I'm, I'm, I'm loving the phone. And if I didn't love the phone, I would have very quickly just went back into retirement or stayed in retirement. But since I love it, I'm, uh, you know, I, I always do my best to spread the word.
Our listeners will ask, so I have to ask the question. You can answer it on the other side. Are you subsidized by BlackBerry or one of these other companies to evangelize for them? Not yet. I mean, it would probably make sense. I mean, Crack- Crackberry Kevin's uh, mandate from day one has always been, you know, if I if I, I, I sell Blackberries, that's what I do, right? I mean, Crackberry is a as a site when I launched it was built for for BlackBerry smartphone users, whether to, you know, encourage people to buy them or to, you know, once they buy them, help um, get the most out of their ownership experience. Uh, I do do some paid opportunities with them. Absolutely. So for example, when they came to, you know, when we went to, when I went to Barcelona, uh, they did this fantastic thing and they actually, um, we brought 10 Crackberry members from our site where I emailed 10 people out of the blue, you know, forum members, people who have been long-term Blackberry fans and took them on a, basically, you know, we covered their airfare and hotel to fly to Barcelona to be in the audience while Blackberry mobile unveiled the device. Let's talk more about that in the next segment of the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. This is Holly Thomas, Group Vice President of Cause Marketing for Macy's. Our company is working together with the March of Dimes through March for Babies to raise money and awareness about the serious problem of premature birth in the U.S. That's why Macy's is committed to raising funds through our employees, customers, family, and friends to improve the health of moms and babies everywhere. Won't you please join us in March for Babies? Start a team today at marchforbabies.org. Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So there he is, Crackberry Kevin, and he was part of this program to sponsor this trip to Barcelona for the Mobile World Congress. I'm jealous of you because my son lives in Madrid. 
Ah. And it would have been a wonderful chance for me to see him. But I don't use the product. So basically, they subsidized this trip. You gathered people from that site, regulars from that site to come with you. Exactly. And they were thrilled because, you know, we didn't hold a giveaway or a contest or anything like that. It was literally, you know, they received an email from me one morning when they woke up and it's like, I want to take you to Barcelona. (laughs) The the timelines were quite tight because a lot of this just came together very quickly. You know, everybody's like, oh, my God, I can't believe this This is the most amazing thing. And then they have to check their passports and scramble to the, uh, the passport office and, you know, make travel plans and work plans. But for a tech enthusiast, I think of, of any company, right, for something like this to happen, it is just making memories for life. I think for BlackBerry Mobile, they've been really, you know, obviously in Barcelona, I had a chance to meet a lot of the members of the team who were there putting on the event from, you know, product managers to PR to marketing to the senior management of this new, you know, basically growing BlackBerry Mobile team. And, um, you know, it was just fantastic because I think they understand, you know, when you, and if you just think about it, going into, they, they wouldn't take on becoming a licensee if they didn't believe they can make it work. And unlike, let's say, the mistakes BlackBerry BlackBerry made over the years, I think there was sort of a sense of, look, we were number one in the space. We know what we're doing. We don't make mistakes. That's why we're number one. And and that attitude kind of caught up to them over the years, and it bit them on more than one occasion. And sometimes decisions they made were fantastic, but many times, you know, that, that final decision they made was was not as good. And in this case, you have a new team building who wants to really obviously make this a success, you know, both the BlackBerry Key One and and they've been very adamant that there's more devices to follow and that the timing is right. And they're really listening. And I think they're very humble. I think they have a lot of passion because for them, this is the beginning of a brand new adventure and journey where they have a fantastic brand with worldwide recognition. And if you think about, you know, let's say TCL Communication having a brand like Alcatel as the one they've built a successful business around, for them to now have a brand like BlackBerry with the history, with even the just the the perception and, and, and the reality in, say, business, for example, is that BlackBerry has always had and, and still has the best end-to-end security story of any mobile device out there. And it's something that, you know, continues to get a lot of effort from the company and always will. It's just a fantastic opportunity for them. So, you know, they're listening to the hardcore members and and longtime users of BlackBerry devices to make sure that as they build these products and they think about them going ahead, they're not, you know, turning anybody off, that they're bringing the old audience with them. But they're obviously building devices that will cater to a larger market than I think BlackBerry has seen the past several years because they simply were so committed to BlackBerry 10 and their old, and their own you know their own internal operating systems that simply didn't have the ecosystem support. That was the big problem with BlackBerry 10 for me. It was a fantastic operating system and it and it's, it's almost like the beta VHS story where it's like well you know beta everybody knows beta is better but VHS won the battle. For a lot of the people who still are religious users of BlackBerry 10 they are adamant that it is just the actual user experience on the phone, the way a lot of the core features work, the speed of it. It is the best mobile op- operating system on the market. But for everybody else, it's like, well, it doesn't matter if it's better. It doesn't have the app, so it's not going to win. Just interesting, though, about beta versus VHS. Now, technically, beta was a little bit better, especially on multiple generations, which most people didn't see. You record something and you record over something else. But the raw beta VHS wasn't that different. The key here is that in terms of time shifting, VHS had all over beta because that was one of the big things. Record your TV show, 
mm. and play it back the next day. And it was much easier to do on VHS. I think you could buy tapes with longer playing times. A lot of the marketing was more open, and that's how they won the market. And Sony kind of put the wrong kind of limitations on beta and blew it. My first VCR was a JVC with VHS. Interesting. Yeah, it totally makes sense. And I think I think there's a parallel there even going back to the the earlier smartphone days. Like one of the things a lot of the manufacturers were doing, whether it was BlackBerry or or uh, Windows mobile phones, Palm even, it's that they were adding checkbox features with every new phone or operating system update they would do. So it's like, you know, okay, the iPhone has a media player on it. We need to add a media player to BlackBerry. And they're like, check, we did it. It works. It's there. Functionality tick it off the box, you know, or check the box. Camera, check, check, check. And what Apple did so well with with iOS when it launched was it wasn't that the feature list was as big, it's just that it was really, really usable, right? So when consumers used it, there might have been less there in the first few iterations of, you know, Apple's iPhones in the earlier era of iOS. But it was accessible features that were easy to market, people understood it, and when they actually bought the product, they would use them. What I think BlackBerry and Windows Mobile and everybody was doing at the time, even Android at the time, was you know, they were, they were adding the support <laughs> so they could, so if you did a, a specs table comparison of these two products, you'd say like, oh, everything that's in this product is also in our product. But the reality, if you bought the product was those features were less accessible, easy to use, just not as enjoyable to use. You know, that's, that's where Apple crushed it in those days. And I think, you know, for me personally, even with Android, you know, I've used every version of Android through the years. Sometimes I've loved it. You know, I, I, don't, I think it took till Android KitKat before it, it started to become a little more polished. And, and honestly, I think Nougat is finally where I can use an Android phone and feel pretty comfortable on it. But it took Android a long time to make something that I think a lot of people would love. And then obviously you have the whole thing of competitors fighting within Android and reskinning it and changing it. And, and kind of everybody makes their own version, which is a little bit sometimes good, sometimes messy. And and the purists out there always prefer stock Android. You know, a little bit of a tangent, but I think it's the same point of who wins at the end of the day. And and it's not always the best specs list, but it's actually the most accessible product that that is marketed right with features that people understand and can pick up and use. Now, looking at the specs for the key one, I looked it up. It seems more like a mainstream specs, nothing spectacular, but it's got the keyboard and it's fashioning the image of the traditional BlackBerry. Yeah, I think they picked very, you know, very intentional specs. Like they, they, they compromised, and I mean that in the like positive sense of the word compromised, um, on on what they put into the device to make it suit the customers they're going after. So, for example, they said, okay, we want this thing to have a big battery, and it has, you know, the biggest battery in a BlackBerry. Uh, you know, probably one of the bigger bl- f- batteries you see in any smartphone. I think it's, you know, three thousand five hundred and five milliamp hours. Uh, so a good size. You know, and then if you think about that, they even picked a chipset, right? They picked the Snapdragon 625, which if you're like a tech reviewer, a tech pundit, and you're, you know, looking for the latest and greatest, you'd be like, why didn't they use the Snapdragon, you know, 8, whatever. And it's like, because they don't need to do VR on this phone or 3D gaming, you know, this is this is about efficiency. And the 625 is a super efficient chipset that runs really fast, especially with, with Nougat, it's running really quick. So for them, they said, look, you know, we could put in that that different chipset, but 
that doesn't help our target user, right? We want to maximize battery life here and, and make it a, a smooth operating phone. So they picked that chip ch ch uh, chipset. You know, it helps keep the cost down a little bit, but it also helps uh, the battery life to be to be more. And I think everything they invested in, you know, the camera is the same, uh, you know, same same camera sensor that's in the Google Pixel, which has a very well regarded camera. And you know, I, I have all the phones I take photos, and you know, the the, the key ones camera is fantastic. So I think you know, and then you add in the keyboard, obviously. And all the uh, the benefits that come with the physical keyboard, which which go beyond typing. You know, this is a it's really a smart keyboard. It's pretty cool because you can program shortcuts, which is always a benefit of a physical keyboard, uh, which you know saves you time every time you pick up the phone. Uh, it actually acts as a trackpad, so you can like swipe words up if you don't feel like like um, typing and pushing buttons. You can watch the auto suggestion and, and flick words. Even the space bar on the keyboard is a fingerprint reader, so you can unlock your phone with the sp the space bar space bar using your fingerprint. So it's a really cool, you know, 2017 uh, reincarnation of of the keyboard. And I think you look at all the things they did to come at the price point they did, and it's a very premium feeling phone. Um, you pick it up and you don't think, oh, this is a mid-range spec phone and it should be, you know, twenty dollars cheaper for the specs in it. Like you pick it up and you're like, this is a freaking nice phone. Let's have and, more of this with yeah. Crackberry Kevin. One more segment of the Tech Night Owl Live. <laughs> Neighbors, I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app. It's the award-winning graphic converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features. And most important, it's easy to use. It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Let me spell that. www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Attention investors, 2017 is the year of Trump and financial markets are rising at all-time highs. But economic uncertainty may be greater than after any election in our lifetime. And as retirement approaches, there's little time to recover your losses. You need to hedge against uncertainty. That means transferring part of your retirement to physical gold and silver stored where you can actually hold it in your hand and get it fast in any disaster. It's a perfect time to buy. Prices are low and expected to climb. Make Augusta Precious metals your personal gold and silver provider augusta cares for your financial position and helps you make good decisions and they're a plus rated by the better business bureau get augusta's free gold and silver ira guide what you learn could help you weather any economic storm there's no obligation just call toll free call 855-222-5857 that's 855-222-5857 again 855-222-5857 trust augusta protect your retirement today 
Are you looking to become more self-sufficient? Then you need to have your own energy source. The Solark EMP hardened generator is automatic, maintenance-free, and reduces your monthly electric bill. You can also take it off-grid when you go camping. Contact PortableSolarLLC.com or call for details at 972-575-8875 today. Portable Solar LLC gives you everything you need to start using solar energy in less than one hour. Solark EMP hardened solar generator energy insurance for your family or business. Call Portable Solar LLC today. Danger. Blood clot device alert. If you or a loved one had an IVC filter placed to prevent blood clots from traveling to your heart or lungs and suffered an injury, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA warns that IVC filters may cause serious complications, such as heart or lung damage, internal bleeding, and even death. These dangerous blood clot devices can break and the metal fragments can travel to your heart or lungs, causing serious injuries. If you or a loved one suffered organ damage or other injuries from an IVC filter, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800-478-1507. 800-478-1507. 800-478-1507. This is an advertisement. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. InjuryHelpDesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office, Las Vegas, Nevada. You may own a knife, but if it's not an indie hammered knife, it's not a knife. From the forge to the grinder to the sheath, each indie hammered knife is handcrafted using God-given talent. The result is the sharpest edge a knife can have and a true work of art. See a variety of knives and the complete knife kit at ihknives.com. Indie hammered knives. Custom knives made in America. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. He's back. He's back, Crackberry Kevin, because we have the BlackBerry Key One. Now, when does this actually go on sale? So, I don't actually have the exact dates, and I'm trying to remember what was announced on stage so I don't mess it up. But, you know, I think towards the end of this month, you'll start to see the marketing start to ramp up. You know, availability start to happen in April. And, you know, they'll be rolling out in many markets, uh, you know, Canada, U.S., U.K., uh, Etc. And it'll also be available, I think, online unlocked. So, you know, hopefully, let's see where what, what's today's date? When March the 5th? show is being yeah. heard, it will be heard on the 18th. The show. Perfect. So, I mean, let's let's hope within a month from today, you'll potentially be able to get one or be you know weeks away from getting one. And, you know, if you really, really want one, you should be able to find one, right? If you have to ship it in from someplace else, you know, I think obviously carrier rollouts can take time and vary, but put it this way, the launch is imminent. You know, the good thing about this phone too, because again, when you think about, and again, I come from the tech, the tech blogging school, and it's really easy to get, get caught up in like, well, you know, the LG G6 was launched or announced at Mobile World Congress, and Samsung is going to have their launch event for the Galaxy S8 soon. And if they don't get this to market in the next two weeks, they're in trouble. And the thing I love about this phone is it's speaking to a very specific audience, right, at the start. And I think, you know, phase one is obviously 
BlackBerry owners, past, present, people who've used keyboard phones before. Because if you only have ever used a touchscreen, it's going to be more of a learning curve to use a keyboard. You know, I, I, for many of those people, I would I would challenge if you're a communication, you know, get stuff done quick type of person, it's going to be worth picking it up and trying it. But it, it's starting off with like, when this phone hits the market, that's when the audience is going to come to it because it's been the phone we've been waiting for for a long time. And I think for me, even as a BlackBerry fan of over a decade, this is the first BlackBerry phone in eight years that I'm truly, truly excited about because I don't need to carry two phones anymore to feel like I have a no compromise mobile experience. Has pricing been set for it yet? So they announced like an unlocked, like flat out price of 550 in the U.S., uh, I forget what the euro price was. It was a little bit more for for Europe. I don't think Canada has announced pricing, but you know around that that price point. So not too bad. Cheaper than your your iPhones or Google Pixel XLs and that kind of thing. Not necessarily a low end phone, but I think for the market, it's going after quite well priced. How much storage? Uh, so it has a 32 gig built in uh, plus an expandable memory slot. So you can stick another two terabytes into it if you want to on a on a micro SD card. Let's see how that works. I might even ask you to get me in touch with the people at the BlackBerry mobile company. And let's see if we can get one in here for review. I'd like to see it. Understand I've never used a BlackBerry except playing with it for a couple of minutes. Oh, my goodness. See, that's you did a fantastic job on this interview then, because I assumed you at least had like one or two over the years. Never Um, had one. That's going to be really interesting. And and. Obviously, now it's an easier adjustment in the sense that if you know Android, you will be able to pick it up and use it because it's an Android phone. I think I think what's really interesting for a lot of the longtime BlackBerry users is they have to learn Android now if they're if they're you know sticking on the BlackBerry path. Um, but if you know Android, you're going to use it. So your adjustment will be the physical keyboard. And there's, again, a little bit of a learning curve to it, but a lot of very tangible benefits that that creep in once you uh, once you realize the joys of it. By the way, I was looking online about QNX, which cars have it. Mm. And I came up with a list here. I'll just throw a couple of names at you. Audi, BMW, Buick, Bentley. With me so far? (laughs) Jaguar, GM, Alfa Romeo, Mercedes-Benz. Ford, because they gave up on the My Ford Touch from Microsoft. So what's important to highlight, though, is QNX is not just, you know, if you're only thinking of it as like the entertainment unit in the middle of the car, that's not the case. The the biggest thing is, you know, your modern day automobile has many microprocessors running through it to run all sorts of systems. QNX is on that stuff. So sometimes a, a car manufacturer has to pay for four or five QNX licenses because there's that many different components in the car running it. So it's more than your interface that you're interacting with on your entertainment system. I mean, they do that too. QNX is like a component level managing systems, and and it's it's so bulletproof, right? So if you if you look at you know the new BlackBerry is a software company story, you know their mandate is to be that sort of uh, secure endpoint. Um, uh, you know, be basically be on all the endpoints in an IoT, you know, connected world. Basically, that's the starting point of the stories in automotive. But it it'll extend into a lot more areas over time as, you know, five G networks come in and we live in a crazy connected future world. Definitely crazy. <laughs> Definitely crazy. <laughs> Definitely crazy. It'd be interesting to see how this works out. Now, just back to the key one very briefly before we let you go. There's no backup with a touchscreen. It's all the physical keyboard, right? 
So you can actually go into your settings and you oh. can make the touchscreen keyboard pop out. Now, currently the way it's working is you in any app where you would be typing, so like you're sending an email or you're in, you know, uh, WhatsApp or something like that, you know, you'd have the keyboard and the touchscreen on top uh, as soon as you enter that that sort of typing field. I think what would be really cool is if they almost made a shortcut to enact the uh, the touchscreen. So if you didn't want it, it would hide or it can come back up the keyboard, uh, the touchscreen keyboard. But it is still there. So if you wanted to use it, you could. But it's definitely, you know, having used it for a few weeks now, I'd say this is definitely a keyboard phone. I won't be surprised if BlackBerry Mobile does a full touchscreen phone again. I mean, we've seen, you know, BlackBerry Android touchscreens in the past. Yeah, I think you'll see options. But this is a phone, I think, that has a very long shelf life to it you know it's not like this will come to market and in three months it's the it's the old thing i think this is a phone that for uh they'll be able to get a lot of distance out of as they market it over the you know the year plus ahead what can i say i will try to use the product if we get one here certainly i've used android phones in the past and it's going to run up against an iphone 7. well if you want to go to madrid to visit with family i will meet you there and I will give you a guided tour of, of how to get onboarded to becoming a crackberry addict. And, you know. and my son wants to have me come visit him this September. And he's going to pay for it. How oh, about that? Oh, that's, yeah. Wow. You raised him right. Congratulations. Well, of course I did. Like the, he knows how to take care of his dad, except this is one hell of a trip from Arizona to Madrid. Well, I At least also- two planes. He takes three because he wants to save money. But he said he'll let me just take two. Crackberry Kevin, for listeners who want to know more about the stuff you do, where do they check you out? Well, you should definitely visit crackberry.com because that's the, uh, that is the main point where we have all the things connected. But on the socials, you can find me at Crackberry Kevin on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube and lots of fun content there. And, uh, you know, lots of great stuff you can learn about the key one and and join in on the excitement. It's been fantastic to do meetups. Uh, We've done a few of them so far, and we have many more happening in North America uh, and, you know, ideally around the globe. And it's just amazing to see the passionate BlackBerry users. And I think the the one thing I can say is, you know, despite this company. You got to wrap it. Okay. Ah, Okay. Wrap, wrap, wrap. Okay. Kevin Mitchelluk, Crackberry Kevin. Thank you for joining us in the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks for having me on the show, Gene. Really appreciate it, and catch you again. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. 
lifetime grazed, 100% grass-fed beef has the health benefits you seek. When compared to conventional beef, it offers good fats while virtually eliminating the bad. That's the result of cattle who never eat grain, ever. Rich in antioxidants, including vitamin E, C, beta-carotene, and CLA. No artificial hormones, antibiotics, or other drugs. For all our fresh, non-cooked products with only 100% grass-fed beef, go to MidasResources.com. Use voucher code GCN to get 30% off your order. MidasResources.com or find us on Facebook. All right, guys, we're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room. Weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait, a family hub. Yeah! No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for four seasons now. To find out more, call toll-free 800-848-6333. That's 800-848-6333. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper, article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. Warning, if you're drowning in debt you can't afford, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to pay it all back, because you don't. What the credit card companies don't want you to know is that there's actually a way to get debt-free without paying off your entire debt or going bankrupt. If you have $5,000 or more in credit card debt, you now have the right to settle that debt for a fraction of what you owe. For free information, call Credit Associates now. 1-800-958-9659. We'll even show you how much money you could save. If you can't afford to pay off all your debt, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to. Call Credit Associates now for free information on how to get debt-free faster than you ever thought possible without debt consolidation or bankruptcy. We depend on your success and offer a guarantee so there's no risk. For free information, call now. 1-800-958-9659. That's 1-800-958-9659. 1-800-958-9659. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
So we continue with Joe Kissel, prolific author of many Take Control books and other books, and we'll talk maybe about some other titles. We wanted to focus this on a very recent one, which is called Take Control of Your Digital Legacy to Preserve Your Data for Posterity. Now, when people do this, what's the most common mistake they make? Well, I I don't know what the most common mistake is, but I'll mention something that really worries me, and that is not giving a trusted loved one access to your passwords and accounts. I mean, you think about, you know, you might have stuff that's encrypted on your computer. You might have an email account that somebody needs to get into. Somebody might need to get into your Facebook account or social media or whatever, any, any kind of uh, of data or account or storage medium that could have a password involved, you need to make sure that someone who is going to come after you, an heir, uh, an, an executor, a loved one, has access to get at all of that stuff on your behalf. Of course, I, I'm a huge proponent of, of strong passwords and using a password manager and all those good things. But you also have to have a plan in place to make sure that, you know, someone who is not you can get at that stuff, not even if you die, but also if you get sick, you get hit by a bus, you're in the hospital for a while, you're, something happens and you're unable to deal with, take care of business. You're not unable to deal with your stuff. Someone else needs to have a secure way of accessing those passwords. So that's, that's something that I talk about in, in great detail in the book. Other kinds of things, too. I have, you know, chapters on email and social media and dealing with your files and so forth. But that would be kind of my biggest concern is that something happens to me. I want to make sure that my wife can get at insurance records and financial accounts and medical records, the kinds of things she's going to need to deal with to keep the family uh, going. Now, in my particular case, my wife knows the passwords pretty much or knows the range of passwords I've used. And could recover most of them, I think. So that helps. I assume we're not advertising LegalZoom or anything or any of those companies. A will would be appropriate for some of this. Well, of course, uh, it's a great idea, an essential idea to have a will. What I talk about in this book is kind of adding on to your conventional will, the will that talks about your house and your car, your financial assets and so forth, to also have a digital will. And your digital will is going to do the same thing for stuff that is digital. It's going to list your digital assets, your passwords, your accounts, where your email is stored, where your letters and all kinds of other, you know, your media, all where all this, what kinds of things you have, where it's stored, and what should be done with it. Do you want to pass this item on to someone else? Do you want to have somebody post final words uh, on your behalf on your Facebook page? Do you want somebody else to shut down your Twitter account for you? Do you want somebody else to have a copy of all of your digital photos or of certain photos and on and on and on? Uh, that's a really a key part of this process is creating a digital will that will accompany your conventional will, but it'll go into far more detail about the sorts of things that you really would not put in an ordinary will. And it will even designate somebody to be your digital executor, someone who you trust, but who is also tech savvy enough to deal with things like maybe things need to be transferred into a different file format, or they need to be transferred to different media, and they need to deal with accounts and passwords and so forth. So that is all a big part of your digital legacy. Now, that's an issue, too. We were talking before about converting old 
files and stuff. Now, in terms of document formats, that also is temporary. You know, you have standard formats like JPEG or even possibly the Word format. But 20 years from now, there's no Microsoft or Word format. How do you prepare for a future like that? That is a really important question. I did a bunch of research. I I looked at websites from historical societies and museums and libraries and other sorts of institutions that are in the business of preserving media for generations. And I collected a series of recommendations for what they thought were better and worse file formats and why. So you're right. It's true that JPEG and .doc, for example, are very, very common formats today. Will they be common formats 50 years from now? No idea. It might be really, really hard to read those file formats in the future. Most of the experts seem to think that all things being equal, open formats are more likely to survive a long time than proprietary formats. So they might say that PDF, which started out as a proprietary format but then became open, is a smarter choice than .doc, or .rtf, rich text format, is a better choice than .doc. They might say that TIFF is a better choice than JPEG. TIFFs take up a lot more space than JPEGs do, that's true, but they also probably have a better chance of lasting longer. So there are certain choices you can make, and you may say, well, great, I believe that TIFF was is a better format for my photos than JPEG, but man, I've got tens of thousands of photos, and I'm just really not going to convert all of those photos to TIFFs. It would take forever, and where would I store them? And that's okay, but it's still something that you should be aware of, and maybe you should leave instructions in your digital will for your son or your grandson or someone who will come after you to maybe take another look at that 5, 10, 20 years from now and decide if maybe that's the point when you really ought to convert all those old documents through some kind of batch process to a newer file format that might last longer. Now, here's a difficult one. We obviously know with physical movies, you have VHS or beta, you have DVD or Blu-ray. And there's always going to be a way to get a device to play those back, like vinyl. Now, when you get into a situation here where you can use handbrake, to digitize, say, a DVD. But if you buy a digital movie from iTunes or any other source where that thing has copy protection, right? but you paid for it, you theoretically own this, but how do you deal with that? Is there a way to deal with that? Because I have several movies I got from iTunes over the years. And I don't think my son cares to ever see them, so it doesn't matter what happens to them. But I can see where it might. Yeah, this question has come up a number of times. It's a really thorny issue because, as you say, it feels like buying a movie from iTunes or buying the same movie on DVD, it feels like you're doing the same thing. You're exchanging money for media. But it isn't really true. What you're really doing when you buy something that you download is that you're licensing it. Apple or whoever is is selling it to you doesn't really give you ownership of the media. It just gives you the authorization to consume it. So Apple is remarkably silent in their terms of service about what happens when you die. They don't have any explicit mechanism by which you can transfer your license to someone else. And you could just say, well, all right, I'll just give my son or daughter my username and password. And so that when they try to play this movie that I passed on to them, kind of a hassle 
Apart from the hassle, though, there's the fact that Apple licensed that to you. They didn't license it to your heirs. Theoretically, at some point in the future, either Apple can make the decision or the movie studio can make the decision that, you know, hey, we're going to cut off access for people that we know have died. And so if Apple discovers that this account that, hmm, boy, it has been in use for 60 years now, <laughs> we, we kind of wonder if this person is still alive. There's no technological reason that they couldn't decide to shut that account down. And then your child or whoever would then lose the ability to keep playing this media that, that you have paid for. Um, so it is a really, really complicated and thorny issue. And you mentioned handbrake. And okay, there are there are ways of removing copy protection. They are not necessarily legal. Um, they they can be done. There are ways of you know converting things into formats that don't have copy protection. In some cases, um, I'm not necessarily advocating those, but I am saying that uh, it is a complex issue that you need to think through, and you need to always have in the back of your mind that if you are working with copy protected stuff, no matter what you do you might not be successful in passing that on. We've got more to come with Joe Kissel. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. President Trump is cleaning up Washington, but the media and Barack Obama want to stop him. They've declared total war against him. Now, David Horowitz's big agenda reveals Obama's secret plan to destroy Trump. Rush Limbaugh says you must read Big Agenda. Newsmax calls it the best Trump book yet. Get Big Agenda, a number one bestseller, or check out our free offer. Call 800-NEWSMAX, 800-NEWSMAX, or go online at BigAgenda411.com. That's BigAgenda411.com. 
We use cell phones against our heads every day. But now, a landmark U.S. government study confirms increased health risks from exposure to EMF radiation emitted from these devices. The time to protect yourself is now. The solution is Defender Shield. Proudly made in the USA, Defender Shield blocks virtually 100% of EMF radiation emitted from cell phones, tablets, and laptops. Buy now at DefenderShield.com. Use discount code DEFENDER for 10% off. DefenderShield.com, the worldwide leader in EMF radiation protection. What would your life be like if you woke up each morning with new vitality, feeling better than you have in years, and you noticed a difference in your sleeping patterns, blood sugar levels, and had a sense of well-being overall? There's something that is changing thousands of people's lives, and you could be one of them. It's called Heart and Body Extract. Sharon Harris, co-creator of Heart and Body Extract, talks about the positive effects of Heart and Body Extract. What happens with the formula Heart and Body Extract is it's giving the body the necessary vitamins, minerals, amino acids, enzymes, and phytonutrients so so the body will heal itself. And yes, the body does have the ability to balance blood pressure, balance cholesterol, clean and unclog the arteries. It can also work on uh, balancing the circulation for diabetics. So the body is an amazing thing. It simply needs some help so it has the tools to heal itself. Heart and Body Extract gets results. To order your two-month supply, call now, toll-free at 866-295-5305. Order online at hbextract.com. President Trump is cleaning up Washington, but the media and Barack Obama want to stop him. They've declared total war against him. Now, David Horowitz's big agenda reveals Obama's secret plan to destroy Trump. Rush Limbaugh says you must read Big Agenda. Newsmax calls it the best Trump book yet. Get Big Agenda, a number one bestseller, or check out our free offer. Call 800-NEWSMAX, 800-NEWSMAX, or go online at BigAgenda411.com. That's BigAgenda411.com. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. Now, in terms of digital legacy, if you're looking at old stuff that may be recorded on cassette tape, or maybe even you want to preserve your old records, and you know those things are not going to live forever, and you want to maybe put them on a digital asset. Should you go out, start looking for ways to preserve this, get the old film projector, get the old cassette tape recorder? I've got two here, I just noticed, that I haven't used probably in 20 years. Or get yourself a record player and get that thing recorded on your Mac. What should you do to prepare to recover this stuff and convert them to something that's more portable? Well, you can do those things. It's it's kind of it gets a little bit technically tricky because let's say let's say it's a, a vinyl album. You can go out and buy a turntable, but you depending you know depending on what kind of turntable you have, you might need additional hardware to hook it up to your computer because the dig, the audio that comes out is just going to be analog audio, so you need a way to digitize that. And then you're going to need software running on your computer to make some sense of that. And you might need additional software to clean up all the pops and clicks and hiss and stuff. And lots of people have done this. You can find tutorials online about how to do this, but it is quite time-consuming. requires some money. It requires some technical expertise, and you might not be pleased with the results. So if 
you have a lot of stuff to do if you don't have a lot of uh, time or a lot of money or a lot of you know talent in that particular area. There are lots of companies that you can outsource this to. And uh, I, that's, that's probably what I would do. If I have you know, one or two reel-to-reel tapes, for example, I would much rather uh, pay somebody else to digitize those than to go try to find a reel-to-reel tape recorder and figure out how to hook it up to my Mac and get all the software going. And then once I'm done with it, well, what do I do with this machine? I don't need it anymore. Now I got, rid- got to get rid of it again. So I would mostly lean toward the outsourcing. Now, there are turntables out there with USB connections. Sure, those exist. Right. But the thing here, of course, is that you have to have a way to equalize the audio from your vinyl record because natively it's manipulated to play with a normal needle and they've got a curve, what they call RIAA curve, where they alter the sound to sound proper. Now, there is an app that was made years ago by Griffin called Final Vinyl. Is that still being made? That was designed for this purpose. Yeah, don't know. That's I mean, that's not really an area that I get into in the book, so I can't say for sure. Okay. Do you go much into taking, shall we say, analog, physical assets and converting them? Well, I go into a fair amount of detail about things like photographs. You know, I have a book on, on the paperless office, and that sort of talks about one approach to scanning stuff and turning it into uh, searchable files that you can have on your computer. Photographs are a bit different in that they don't have a lot of text that you're interested in. It's really just the image itself that you're interested in. You might want the fronts and the backs of the photos, depending. You might want them to be at a higher resolution. You might want a better picture quality. So they're kind of different sets of of questions to consider when digitizing photographs. Uh, so I talk about that to some extent. But but again, like for me, the the process of taking things that are still analog and digitize them, it is definitely super important, is basically a chapter in the book. But that's sort of only only one small piece of the overall process. Okay. We see where that goes. The other question here is how much of your stuff and your possessions should you digitize and maybe just get a few more physical boxes and find a way to preserve that stuff? Well, again, that's that's pretty much a personal decision. Uh, I personally would lean toward digitizing as much as possible because that gives you more options and more security in the future. Even once you've digitized something, I wouldn't necessarily throw it away. Uh, You might still want to preserve the original because future generations might think it's really cool to be able to hold that physical object in their hands. But when you have a digital copy of it, it's much easier to share, much easier to search, much easier to Put, you know, put on a web page or do something else with it than the physical object. So I, I really recommend both. Also, I guess it depends on how much work you want to put into this. Is there a fast, dirty way? I don't have endless hours to prepare this stuff. I want to set it up for my son. What's the fast, dirty method? Is there one? Well, as with everything in life, there is a trade-off between speed and money and quality. So, you know, pick two. Uh, there are, you know, the, uh, there, there are photo scanners that you can buy that are kind of sheet fed and you take, for example, a stack of four by six photos or something. You just pop them in, press the button and it's going to zip them right through and the software will run and you'll, you'll have a series of images uh, on your computer. It takes 
almost no effort at all and is very, very fast. But those things are also quite expensive. You might be looking at $600 for the scanner. Or you can go another route where you buy a really cheap scanner for $50 and then you put a photo on, you put the lid down and you scan it and then you retouch it and you, you, know, you spend a couple of minutes working on each photograph. So it takes a really long time, but you have the savings of money. And then, of course, there are companies that will say, yeah, send us a box of your photos. We'll digitize them for you. It's going to take a little while and it'll be expensive. But whether it's more expensive than buying your own scanner depends somewhat on the volume and how important it is to get things exactly right. Okay. Sounds like a good start to doing everything. What has Joe Kissel done in terms of keeping stuff for posterity? Because you're not a 21-year-old anymore. No. Uh, You've gone through turned... several generations of this. Right. I, I just turned 50, in fact. Well, you know... Uh, young whippersnapper. I know. Young whippersnapper. So uh, I've, I've done a number of things. There are some artifacts from, from my past that uh, I, I'm very grateful to have in digital form. Uh, for example, I, some, some relative, I'm not even sure which relative did this, but they found an old reel-to-reel tape. I had an uncle who was on a, on a TV show, like a quiz show, a game show, back in the, I don't know, like the late 50s or something. And an audio recording of this was on reel-to-reel tape. And some relative kindly uh, digitized this for me and, and sent me an MP3 file. And I'm delighted to have that. I would have never listened to that otherwise. But it's really cool to just have that little chunk of history. Uh, I have spent many hours you know, carefully feeding old, you know, yellowing photographs uh, into a scanner to uh, to get those digitized. And uh, honestly, personally, I'm only partway through this project. I've, I've digitized many, but I have, I still have boxes full of old documents. Uh, some of them are like family photos, but most of them are just my own stuff. You know, my the the term papers that I wrote in high school and college and like old records like that, they're not super important. I mean, if they evaporated uh, overnight, uh, it would I, I would I would feel a little bit sad for a little while, but there aren't many, any major consequences to it. It's more the idea that wouldn't that be neat to be able to see, for you know, for my grandkids to to see, oh, you know, great granddad uh, wrote this you know paper about whatever when he was in high school. Isn't that neat? I I personally think that it's very cool that I can go back and look at the digital copies of my father's uh, high school report cards, which which I have. Like I have the originals, but I also scan them so I can search them and I can see. Oh well, he got a D in French when he was a senior. That's appalling. Um, so I, I've learned all kinds of things about my uh, my ancestors and my family members I didn't know by having access to these these old documents and things. Well, I guess we should all join Ancestry.com and see what it does. Now, just to give you a quick example of that, my son traveled light to Europe because it's expensive to carry all your stuff. So he took what he thought was necessary and each year he'd come to visit us and he'd bring back a little bit more that he could stuff in a suitcase or two. And, of course, they charge for the extra luggage, so it's not very good. But the most recent time he came back here in December, we looked over all the old boxes in the garage. And I said, what do you want? And he spent a little time looking and he said, yeah, I guess you can keep those. And that was the extent of his interest. Well, I guess you could keep those 
and maybe someday when you're gone, I'll look through them, or maybe I won't. Yeah. And I well, kind of... then again... Pardon? His, his ideas about that could change in 10 years. I would think so. Remember now he's 31. Sure. So when he's 41, he might be different. I, on the other hand, have moved a number of times, and I hardly ever look in that garage for the stuff. I used to be a pack rat. But then I learned that you have to pay the moving man for the extra stuff you want to pack away. We've got more to come. On your digital legacy and more with Joe Kissel, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Have you ever wanted a shortcut to getting the underground secrets to making money online and seriously grow your business? Whether it's a new business, a part-time income, or an existing business, you have this incredible limited offer to get a copy of this Amazon best-selling book on dot-com success for free. Uncover the success factors to make your business ignite. Go to secretsignite.com. That's secretsignite.com. Get your free copy now. Go to secretsignite.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I'm here to tell you about GCNTelecare.com, a team of board-certified doctors assisting you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Within 15 minutes of registration, care your family can afford. Revolutionizing the healthcare industry, virtual consulting, providing diagnosis of non-emergency medical issues by phone or secure video on computer or smart mobile devices. GCNTelecare.com, virtual care anywhere. Welcome back to the Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So we continue with Joe Kissel, prolific author of many Take Control books and other books. And we'll talk maybe about some other titles. We wanted to focus this on a very recent one which is called Take Control of Your Digital Legacy to Preserve Your Data for Posterity. Now, when people do this, what's the most common mistake they make? Well, I I don't know what the most common mistake is, but I'll mention something that really worries me, and that is not giving a trusted loved one access to your passwords and accounts. 
I mean, you think about, you know, you might have stuff that's encrypted on your computer. You might have an email account that somebody needs to get into. Somebody might need to get into your Facebook account or social media or whatever, any any kind of uh, of data or account or storage medium that could have a password involved. You need to make sure that someone who is going to come after you, an heir, uh, an, an executor, a loved one, has access to get at all of that stuff on your behalf. Of course, I, I'm a huge proponent of, of strong passwords and using a password manager and all those good things. But you also have to have a plan in place to make sure that you know someone who is not you can get at that stuff, not even if you die, but also if you get sick, you get hit by a bus, you're in the hospital for a while, you're, something happens and you're unable to deal with, take care of business. You're not unable to deal with your stuff. Someone else needs to have a secure way of accessing those passwords. So that's, that's something that I talk about in, in great detail in the book. Other kinds of things, too. I have you know, chapters on email and social media and dealing with your files and so forth. But that would be kind of my biggest concern is that something happens to me. I want to make sure that my wife can get at insurance records and financial accounts and medical records, all the kinds of things she's going to need to deal with to keep the family uh, going. Now, in my particular case, my wife knows the passwords pretty much or knows the range of passwords I've used. And could recover most of them, I think. So that helps. I assume we're not advertising LegalZoom or anything or any of those companies. A will would be appropriate for some of this. Well, of course, uh, it's a great idea, an essential idea to have a will. What I talk about in this book is kind of adding on to your conventional will, the will that talks about your house and your car, your financial assets and so forth, to also have a digital will. And your digital will is going to do the same thing for stuff that is digital. It's going to list your digital assets, your passwords, your accounts, where your email is stored, where your letters and all kinds of other, you know, your media, all where all this, what kinds of things you have, where it's stored, and what should be done with it. Do you want to pass this item on to someone else? Do you want to have somebody post final words uh, on your behalf on your Facebook page? Do you want somebody else to shut down your Twitter account for you? Do you want somebody else to have a copy of all of your digital photos or of certain photos and on and on and on? Uh, that's a really a key part of this process is creating a digital will that will accompany your conventional will, but it'll go into far more detail about the sorts of things that you really would not put in an ordinary will. And it will even designate somebody to be your digital executor, someone who you trust, but who is also tech savvy enough to deal with things like maybe things need to be transferred into a different file format, or they need to be transferred to different media, and they need to deal with accounts and passwords and so forth. So that is all a big part of your digital legacy. Now, that's an issue, too. We were talking before about converting old files and stuff. Now, in terms of document formats, that also is temporary. You know, you have standard formats like JPEG or even possibly the Word format. But 20 years from now, there's no Microsoft or Word format. How do you prepare for a future like that? That is a really important question. I did a bunch of research. I I looked at websites from historical societies and museums and libraries and other sorts of institutions that are in the business of preserving media for generations. 
And I collected a series of recommendations for what they thought were better and worse file formats and why. So you're right. It's true that JPEG and .doc, for example, are very, very common formats today. Will they be common formats 50 years from now? No idea. It might be really, really hard to read those file formats in the future. Most of the experts seem to think that all things being equal, open formats are more likely to survive a long time than proprietary formats. So they might say that PDF, which started out as a proprietary format but then became open, is a smarter choice than .doc, or .rtf, rich text format, is a better choice than .doc. They might say that TIFF is a better choice than JPEG. TIFFs take up a lot more space than JPEGs do, that's true, but they also probably have a better chance of lasting longer. So there are certain choices you can make, and you may say, well, great, I believe that TIFF was, is a better format for my photos than JPEG, but man, I've got tens of thousands of photos, and I'm just really not going to convert all of those photos to TIFFs. It would take forever, and where would I store them? And that's okay, but it's still something that you should be aware of, and maybe you should leave instructions in your digital will for your son or your grandson or someone who will come after you to maybe take another look at that 5, 10, 20 years from now and decide if maybe that's the point when you really ought to convert all those old documents through some kind of batch process to a newer file format that might last longer. Now, here's a difficult one. We obviously know with physical movies, you have VHS or beta, you have DVD or Blu-ray. And there's always going to be a way to get a device to play those back, like vinyl. Now, when you get into a situation here where you can use Handbrake, to digitize, say, a DVD. But if you buy a digital movie from iTunes or any other source where that thing has copy protection, right? but you paid for it, you theoretically own this, but how do you deal with that? Is there a way to deal with that? Because I have several movies I got from iTunes over the years. And I don't think my son cares to ever see them, so it doesn't matter what happens to them. But I can see where it might. Yeah, this question has come up a number of times. It's a really thorny issue because, as you say, it feels like buying a movie from iTunes or buying the same movie on DVD, it feels like you're doing the same thing. You're exchanging money for media. But it isn't really true. What you're really doing when you buy something that you download is that you're licensing it. Apple or whoever is is selling it to you doesn't really give you ownership of the media. It just gives you the authorization to consume it. So Apple, to take that example, is remarkably silent in their terms of service about what happens when you die. They don't have any explicit mechanism by which you can transfer your license to someone else. And you could just say, well, all right, I'll just give my son or daughter my username and password, and so that when they try to play this movie that I passed on to them, it'll come up and say, you know, Gene was the one who bought this, so you need to log in as him. All right, that you can do that. It's kind of a hassle. Apart from the hassle, though, there's the fact that Apple licensed that to you. They didn't license it to your heirs. And so theoretically, at some point in the future, either Apple can make the decision or the movie studio can make the decision that, you know, hey, we're going to we're going to cut off access for people that we know have died. And so if Apple discovers that this account that 
hmm, boy, it has been in use for 60 years now. <laughs> we, we kind of wonder if this person is still alive. There's no technological reason that they couldn't decide to shut that account down. And then your child or whoever would then lose the ability to keep playing this media that, that you have paid for. Um, so it is a really, really complicated and thorny issue. And you mentioned handbrake. And okay, there are there are ways of removing copy protection. They are not necessarily legal. Um, they they can be done. There are ways of you know converting things into formats that don't have copy protection. In some cases, um, I'm not necessarily advocating those, but I am saying that uh, it is a complex issue that you need to think through, and you need to always have in the back of your mind that if you are working with copy protected stuff, no matter what you do you might not be successful in passing that on. We've got more to come with Joe Kissel. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> Neighbors, I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app. It's the award-winning Graphic Converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features. And most important, it's easy to use. It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Let me spell that. www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. Do you feel like you're losing control over your finances? If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services and take advantage of the Fresh Start program and new laws that may allow Allow us to negotiate a settlement for the lowest amount possible. Our team of tax attorneys and enrolled agents can stop collections and get you protected so you can take control of your financial future. Tax Mediation Services is accredited by the Better Business Bureau. Call now for a free case review and a price protection guaranteed quote. Call Tax Mediation Services now at 800-615-7709. That's 800-615-7709. 800-615-7709. President Trump is cleaning up Washington, but the media and Barack Obama want to stop him. They've declared total war against him. Now, David Horowitz's big agenda reveals Obama's secret plan to destroy Trump. Rush Limbaugh says you must read Big Agenda. Newsmax calls it the best Trump book yet. Get Big Agenda, a number one bestseller, or check out our free offer. Call 800-NEWSMAX, 800-NEWSMAX, or go online at BigAgenda411.com. That's BigAgenda411.com. Have you racked up more than $10,000 in credit card debt? Are you barely getting by, making minimum payments? You should know the credit card companies are tricking you into thinking there's no way out. 
Credit card companies would rather you didn't know that there are ways you can become debt-free and you don't have to pay the entire amount you owe. There are debt relief programs that help people like you escape overwhelming credit card debt. National Debt Relief has helped tens of thousands of people just like you reduce more than $500 million of debt. National Debt Relief has helped so many people, they're A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. You don't have to declare bankruptcy or take out a consolidation loan. You have the right to settle your debt for a mere fraction of what you owe. Reduce a large portion of your debt now. Call National Debt Relief at 800-314-7417. 800-314-7417. That's 800-314-7417. We all have heard about the benefits of fish oils, but what about the presence of heavy metals, PCBs, dioxins, furans, and other contaminants found in fatty tissues of fish? GCNteam.com recognizes this risk and offers IFOS certified tested omega-3 fatty acids. EPA, DHA insist on IFOS omega-3 fatty acid certification. Get the best at GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. So we have a thorny issue here, folks which is if you buy a digital download, and as Joe says, you have the license to use it, but how or can you transfer it to somebody else? Apple has no way to transfer your Apple ID to your heirs. Right. So that, that it is true that Apple has no uh, mechanism in place whereby Ownership of an Apple ID can be transferred to someone else or the two IDs can be merged. What I would like even more than that, perhaps, is the ability to say, well, you know, I purchased this software and these albums and this music with my account, but I would now like to transfer those licenses from my account into my wife's account or my son's account or whoever. And there's also no way to do that. Uh, a lot of people have been complaining about this sort of thing for a long time, and Apple has done nothing. I don't know why. I don't know if they will in the future. But as a company, Apple hasn't been around that long in the grand scheme of things. It started during our lifetimes, of course. And Apple selling online media is even a much more recent thing. So I think as as an industry, the media world hasn't had to deal very much yet with this concept of people licensing things and dying. Of course, it has happened, but it hasn't yet happened on such a big scale that anyone has cared enough to come up with a solution or even a policy to deal with it. Isolated cases, maybe. It could be that particular uh, vendors or particular studios have their own policies or ways to deal with it, but uh, Apple does not appear to. And I think that is that the, the bigger companies like Amazon and, and so forth uh, are, are, are largely silent on what could happen there. And you think here, Apple has a direct example of what could happen because their co-founder is dead. Right. So obviously his wife and his kids 
will manage his digital assets, whatever they do. But certainly that message had to become clear. And I wonder also why the media hasn't asked Tim Cook, hey, what happens when my father, who's 90 years old, when he's dead, what do I do? Right. Does he pass it on to me? What is the process to transfer his assets, his digital assets? I would almost think, and this is really kind of a gross kind of conclusion, that when someone dies, someone has to file a class action lawsuit against Apple and Microsoft and Amazon and et cetera to deal with this. Uh, It's one thing with Netflix because everything you get from them is temporary. Right. Right. Well, that that is maybe, in fact, part of the solution that Apple is moving towards streaming and away from downloads, too. And maybe the industry just sort of feels like, you know, we don't really have to deal with this problem of passing on downloads for very much longer because before long, downloads are going to be a thing of the past and almost all media is going to be consumed by streaming. And by definition, that you only have the the license to do that as long as you keep paying. And hey, if if somebody else wants to keep paying for your account after you're dead, great. But it could also be the fact that if Apple or one of these other companies were really, really pressed for the answer to what's going to happen to this media after after people die, and they start talking to movie studios and start talking to lawyers, the answer that comes back might not be the answer that anyone wants. The answer might be, oh, you know, actually, sorry, but the movie studios are insisting that stuff can only be licensed by one individual and not passed on because you've forced our hand and gotten the lawyers involved and asked what we think is okay. Now we're telling you it's only okay to to use this for yourself. So it could be that the, the reason or part of the reason that this hasn't been clarified is just that Apple is afraid of forcing other people's hands to give an undesirable end result. And as long as it stays indeterminate, you know, there's wiggle room, there's there's ways around this. On the other hand, you think Apple is such a big company, it would be fairly trivial to set up a mechanism that allows you to transfer an asset to another person, period. You'd think so. <laughs> but there there have been a lots, lots of things that I would have thought should be trivial for a company the size of Apple that have not happened. Many, many, many things. And I don't know why. I may never know why, but who can say? There you go. Just to make it all the more confusing for everybody. This is what Apple does. This is the plot. They make you pay a lot of stuff, but that's it. At least when you buy a physical object from Apple. You know that my iMac, my son gets it. Big deal. Okay, I hand it to him. That's it. The warranty, the Apple Care, that's transferable, I believe. Yes. You sell it to somebody, you can transfer that. The extended right. warranty on a car will often transfer. Right. Those things they've taken into account with a physical object, the transfer of ownership, with a digital asset, someone somewhere really needs to test this in the courts and see what the courts think about it. Because right now, in this climate, no one's going to come up with a new law for anything. Right. Sooner or later, I'm sure it'll happen. But in the meantime, we have to live with some uncertainty. So right now, we assume Apple or Microsoft will tolerate the fact that another person is using your account because they have login privileges. And maybe that's what they think. Benevolent dictators they are. They figure, we don't have to do anything. We figure you'll just give your password to a relative and you'll transfer the payment method which is very easy to do once you have access to an account and it will go on and we'll still get your money but we don't have to deal with the legal fineries 
of the transfer of ownership. That could certainly be the case. You know, you mentioned the fact that you have some movies that probably your son doesn't really, isn't really going to want to watch. And that could be another aspect of what uh, Apple and, and other media companies are counting on is that unlike family photographs that are unique, that have sort of intrinsic, unique value, movies are just movies. There are lots of copies of any movie that exists. So if your son wanted to watch a movie that you bought and did not have the right to watch your copy, there are probably about, you know, 30 other ways that your son could watch that movie. And at worst, it's going to cost him a few bucks. So from that perspective, Apple may be thinking, well, it's just not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal if we occasionally get into this situation where somebody wants to view somebody else's media. It's not the same sort of thing as a photograph because photographs are unique. And, you know, benign neglect can eventually cause trouble. It can. But right now, no. I mean, what's going to happen, for example, with Kirk McElhern has, what, 50,000 tracks, musical tracks, many of which are purchased from iTunes. So if he and his former spouse are gone, he has a son who would probably take control of that. Mm -hmm. Interesting question. And you have a child. Three, in fact, yes. You have three. (laughs) Yeah. Because you have three of them who are going to be fighting over your digital assets when you're gone. Yeah. Could be. Could be. Now, luckily, with music, it's not quite so bad because Apple has removed the the DRM from tracks that you purchase from iTunes. Obviously, it still applies if you're streaming with Apple Music, but if you purchased albums from them, uh, at least the music is not copy protected anymore. So... But we don't want that kind of argument. No, of course not. No, we don't. And- we'll have more to come with Joe Kissel on the other side of the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon you'll need a plan and place to survive. Forget bunkers. You're not a live-underground gopher. You need survivalist camps, the ultimate fully functional, off-the-grid mobile survival bug-out house that's well-equipped and custom-built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Bold statement? You bet. See them now at survivalistcamps.com. That's survivalistcamps.com. Trust your family's survival to survivalistcamps.com. By now you know that wireless technology like cell phones do in fact pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blockit Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation. 
reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, and like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat, I would flip-flop all night long, I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed, it's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. Attention small business owners. Want to save money on your employee health insurance plan? Learn the little-known solution that could save thousands of dollars on your health insurance benefits and save your employees money, too. Call Health Markets for a free consultation, and one of our 3,000 local agents will show you how to make health care reform work for you. We'll design customized solutions for your business that can lower health care costs for you and your employees. We'll work directly with you to determine your needs. We search thousands of health plans from over 180 health insurance companies nationwide. You'll also find out if tax credits could save you money. Best of all, the service is free of charge. See why Health Markets has enrolled Americans in more than 2 million insurance policies. You don't have to wait for open enrollment to lower your cost. Call now. Find out how much you and your employees could be saving. Representatives are standing by to assist you. Call 800-930-5137. That's 800-930-5137. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. So anyway, we were talking here mostly about what happens if you're not here, how to deal with your digital assets. And of course, the tech companies just don't care. I guess they're happy in one way about the changing formats because they can just sell you the same old thing again. So, you know, you trade in your VHS or you stick it in the closet and you get the DVD and then you get the Blu-ray and then you get the digital version and then you get the remastered version. So it's like they take all these products and they sell it to you 50 times. I mean, how many different remixes do we need of the Beatles and Elvis? Yeah, well, you're absolutely right. And there are certainly um, pieces of media that I have bought several different times in different formats. And that is kind of irksome. I, I must say there is a certain element of greed involved there for sure. Yeah, well, just think of how much money Elvis Presley has earned after he died. Yeah. Or John Lennon. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it pays to be dead if you're an artist because you'll get all the money that he stole from you when you were alive. 
I guess. <laughs> oh, well, I'll have to look forward to that. Let's just move on to a couple of other subjects before we sure. go on. Just here, we've talked in the past about backups, and this is important in preserving your digital legacy. Can you give, again, to our listeners some real fast, dirty backup tips they should consider in dealing with this? Of course. So a few of the major principles I always recommend, particularly for Mac users, obviously, first, something is better than nothing. If you have lousy backups or incomplete or infrequent backups, that's still better than no backups at all. So I don't let, you know, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. It is much better to do something than to do nothing. Uh, Having said that, I recommend a few things. I recommend using uh, something like Time Machine. doesn't have to be Time Machine. It can be, or it can be Chronosync or data backup from ProSoft or any of many other different apps to create version backups. And that just means that you back up your stuff and then a file changes uh, and it backs up the new version, but it doesn't delete the old version. You delete a file uh, on your computer, fine, but it's not deleted from your backups. So your backups maintain lots of different versions of your file, of every file, so that you can always go back and see an older version, even if you accidentally changed or deleted something. Secondly, I recommend bootable duplicates or clones. This is more of a convenience thing for you. So if your Mac's hard drive or SSD dies, and this does happen from time to time, you can spend the next day, you know, you replace the drive and you can spend the next day restoring everything on that data from a time machine backup. But in the meantime, you can't do any work because your computer is tied up doing this restore. So a a bootable duplicate lets you get back to work immediately because it's an exact copy of your hard drive. So you can just boot from that external hard drive and pick up right where you started. So that's to save you time and grief and effort. And then the third element is off-site backups. So if you have, you know, great, you got a backup hard drive, it's right next to your iMac, and then somebody breaks into your house and steals your iMac, well, they're going to pick up that hard drive too. Fire damages your house, it's going to damage that hard drive too. So you want to have a backup, at least one backup in some place different from where your Mac lives. And you might choose to use an online backup service like CrashPlan or Backblaze or many others to do that for you. That's one way. Or you might just have a second hard drive and every week or so you rotate you know, one hard drive someplace else, a friend's house, a relative's house, you know, your, your work location, whatever, and a bank vault, whatever you have access to, and then take the one that was there and swap back. However you do it, it's a really good idea to have multiple copies of your data in different places and just keep up with it. Okay, say I decide I have no reason to currently use all this stuff. I stick it onto a hard drive as a backup. How long does that hard drive last untouched? Well, that is the million-dollar question, and that's obviously something that, that's crucial when you're talking about preserving your digital legacy for you know the indefinite future. I go through hard drives really fast. I can't tell you how many hard drives I have killed, but a great many. I, I sort of assume a hard drive is probably going to last a good three years, maybe five if I'm lucky. If a hard drive lasts more than five years... I consider myself quite fortunate, but I also sort of assume it's going to fail any day now. Some hard drives last for 10 years, 15. It can happen. But in my experience, the odds are against it. Okay, but I'm not talking about daily use. No, I understand. I mean, I put in a box and I stick it in the garage or a cool place or I stick it in a bank vault. Right, right, right. 
So a couple of things there. Number one, you mentioned a cool place, and that is important because heat and humidity can definitely adversely affect a hard drive. But a couple of things happen. Data that is stored on magnetic media, the actual bits there can flip randomly due to something like, you know, a cosmic ray strikes it. There are just random things, plus, you know, the passage of time. Things can cause the data to deteriorate even if you are not using the drive. So it is a good idea to check it, to verify it every once in a while, and if you start seeing errors, to repair the data if possible to make an extra copy. So that's one element. The other element is hard drives do have a tendency, if they are not used for a very long period of time, to seize up. So you put that hard drive in the closet, three years later you pull it out, you attach it to your computer, and the light comes on, but you're, you know, it makes a sound like it's straining, and you discover that the the mechanism itself, you know, maybe a tiny speck of rust formed, or maybe some lubricant dried out, or whatever, some little mechanical thing happened, and just because it never got any exercise, it won't spin up again. So I do recommend that even if you are planning to to basically shelve something and not touch it that you exercise it every you know six months year to get it to last longer but even if you've done that you cannot guarantee that your hard drive will store data safely indefinitely even even with those important steps after you know five years or so i'd start looking at copying that stuff onto a new hard drive or a new whatever the latest form of media is that's available at that point, because that will give you uh, a better shot at longevity. So that, of course, is, I guess, one of the big dirty secrets of hard drives, that even if they're unused, eventually they're going to be difficult or impossible to get the files from. That's true. Uh, Again, you might get lucky. It might not happen, but you don't want to count on it. But there is another thing that you can try, which is to take your archive of data and see if you can get your son to just put that stuff that you want to preserve on on his computer and back that up along with his files and then pass it on to his children. Uh, If you can do that, if everybody has, you know, enough storage space and the willingness to do that, then it's kept alive in a way that it might not be if it's just on a hard drive in your closet. So that is another approach you can consider is to integrate your files into an heirs files and keep that process going in the future. How about flash media? What's the permanence of the flash drive on your iPhone or the SSD on your recent Mac? Well, the evidence that we have so far, and of course, flash media has not been in use the way it is now for as long as hard drives have been. Um, The evidence we have right now is that flash media does tend to last longer than mechanical hard drives, does tend to be more reliable, but even so, is sometimes subject to random failures. The random failures are for different reasons, physically speaking, than than spinning magnetic disks, but the failures do happen. I would be more likely to trust my data to an SSD for a longer period of time than a hard drive. I would still want to check it every once in a while. I would still want to uh, consider transferring it to new media from time to time. But of course, the downside is that even, you know, even in in 2017, SSDs are considerably more expensive per gigabyte or per terabyte than hard drives are. So if you can afford it, 
hey, great, you'll have a little bit more peace of mind and a little bit more longevity out of it. But um, I don't think that's a slam dunk yet. Give it another five or 10 years and, and maybe the situation changes. We've got more to come with Joe Kissel. One more segment. We're preserving your digital legacy on the Tech Night How Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Have you ever wanted a shortcut to getting the underground secrets to making money online and seriously grow your business? Whether it's a new business, a part-time income, or an existing business, you have this incredible limited offer to get a copy of this Amazon best-selling book on dot-com success for free. Uncover the success factors to make your business ignite. Go to secretsignite.com. That's secretsignite.com. Get your free copy now. Go to secretsignite.com. Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. Many medicines used to treat colds and flu contain acetaminophen, a pain reliever and fever reducer found in hundreds of over-the-counter and prescription medicines. But taking too much or more than one medication containing acetaminophen per day can damage your liver. So always read the label and don't take acetaminophen if you drink three or more alcoholic drinks every day. To learn more, visit fda.gov slash OTC pain info. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Food and Drug Administration. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you. People seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com. And if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. 
Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. Cancer categorizes over 100 diseases. Though we do not diagnose, treat, or cure cancer, GCN team is offering the Clemson University study where there was up to a 95% reduction in cancerous cells when exposed to a plant-derived mineral supplement. If you or a loved one are searching for answers to this horrifying disease, come to GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. We'll email you a copy for free. That's 877-878-4203. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. So I feel preserved already. I feel we're being crystallized. So therefore, the crystals in Superman that are kept alive year after year from Krypton, those will survive. Is that Flash Media, the little Kryptonian crystal? I I don't know. But, you know, it's funny that you should mention that because there is a company that makes these sapphire discs. Now, sapphire, of course, the, the lens on your iPhone, the crystal on the Apple Watch Edition, those are made out of sapphire. It's super, super hard almost indestructible. This company makes these discs uh, that will laser etch your data onto a sapphire disc, fuse another disc on top of that, and sell you this thing that they say, you know, you can drop it in hot lava and it will still survive. It's waterproof, it's fireproof, it's everything proof. And it's going to last forever. And how do you get your data off of it? Oh, well, you just use a, a really strong magnifying glass or a microscope. If they'd sort of print it on very, very fine, uh, but it's almost like a laser printer. So that's one way of making sure your data is going to last. There is a you know kind of downside in that these discs will, will set you back about $1,500 each. They're not good for storing digital data like, you know, movies or, or TV shows or, or music. They're really good for, you know, text and line art and things like that. But there are ways that are being, you know, developed to take things like crystals and novel materials and find ways to use them to preserve data for the long term. So that, you know, maybe Superman did, did kind of have the right idea. Of course, that's another planet. But right now, nobody cares in the tech industry about permanence as long as they can sell you the product and then the replacement product, they're happy. Uh, pretty much. But you don't worry about that too much. Well, I mean, what can you do? You, you can only do your best. You can take the steps that you are able to take to back up your data, to preserve your data, to integrate it into you know an errors data set and so forth. At a certain point, you're just going to have to say, this is somebody else's problem. I cannot worry about this forever. I've done my best. The thing will either survive or it won't, but that will be known only after I'm gone. So it's something you should take steps to work on. It's not something that you should lose a lot of sleep over because life is too short. Take care of yourself. Take care of your data. Do the best you can and enjoy life. That's kind of my best advice. And don't freak over it because chances are your kids won't care about that stuff anyway. Could be. Right. Could well be. So that's how it works. Okay. Before we let you go, 
always write a new book about the latest Mac OS. We have Sierra mm-hmm. and now waiting in the wings for its successor, which we'll know about probably in a couple of months. So any quick advice as to what to do with Sierra, what things we should know? Well, Sierra has been uh, a little bit frustrating. There has been a whole series of issues with Sierra. One of the biggest ones that I have had to deal with has involved PDFs. There were all sorts of problems with scanners making searchable PDFs. And, you know, Fujitsu was saying, oh, if you use, you know, our ScanSnap scanners, don't upgrade for like a couple of months until Apple works out the bugs. And some of the bugs have been worked out and some of them haven't. So there have been a whole like series of PDF related bugs that have caused a lot of a lot of grief for people. Uh, There have been some really crazy bugs in Apple Mail And I just, man, I just don't know what's going on with mail. It seems like the quality has deteriorated so much and there are are so many people just suffering with mail and I don't know why. I I can't like say, oh, here's the solution. You just have to do this. No, I really don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. I just don't know what happened with Sierra. Of course, I've been using it forever. It is usable, but it seems like the quality control hasn't been there. I don't know what to expect with the next California landmark. I really hope that Apple takes to heart a lot of the consumer complaints about, you know, features that have disappeared and bugs that have appeared and, you know, ways in which people are are getting more and more frustrated. As far as I know now, I am planning to do take control of upgrading to the next whatever it's called. I would guess that that would probably be released in September. That's ish, you know, give or take a month. That has been Apple's pattern for the last several years. So I generally always encourage people to upgrade to the latest version of the operating system, latest versions of apps, because you're going to get security patches. You're going to get bug fixes. You're going to get new features. These are all important things. There is a downside, which is sometimes the security patches and the new features also come with really irritating bugs that you're going to have to live with for a couple of months until Apple sorts them out. And that was definitely the case with Sierra. That's another good reason why you you should really make a bootable duplicate and update it right before you upgrade to a new version of Mac OS, because that way, if you run into problems, there's something that you could do in the old version that you can't do in the new version. You can't get around this problem. Well, you can just attach that old hard drive and boot from the old system, and you're back to where you were before. I wish I were more optimistic. I, I just feel like there have been some Apple software quality issues lately, and I, I can't explain it. And I don't have any particular reason to believe that they're being fixed. I hope they are, but uh, we're going to have to wait and see what we hear at WWDC in a couple of months. Officially, Apple never admits to any of this. You know, they'll say, well, based on the reports we get, the quality of the software is better. I think that was the last I heard from Apple about that. Another excuse is to imply that because there are more people using the product, problems that might have been previously unreported or don't happen very often take on greater importance. Excuses. Yeah, you know, there might be a slight element of truth to that. But when multiple developers are reporting, hey, you know, this thing that was working fine before is broken now. And look, I've filed all these bug reports and multiple people are, you know, confirming it and being able to reproduce it. Those kinds of excuses sort of fall flat. What are you planning in terms of future books? Because I know you always have something in the winds. Oh, I sure do. One of the things I just wrapped up work on the next, the third edition 
of take control of your paperless office. Lots and lots of changes in, in that kind of world, you know, scanners and scanning software and cloud services and so forth to make your office paperless. So that's coming out really soon. Got a, a couple of new topics that I'm working on books about that I can't say anything about yet, but I think they're really interesting. And I think people are going to be very, very happy to read them. There have been a lot of discussions in the take control world lately about new and exciting things that we are planning ahead. I don't want to say anything because, you know, plans change and who knows, we, we want to make sure that we have something real to announce but I'm very enthusiastic about what's uh, coming down the road, and I think there are exciting times ahead. Long and short, do you expect to write another 60 books? Oh, well, <laughs> I, I don't know about another 60. I think the most number of books I ever wrote in a year was maybe seven, and that was, that was too many. I, I could see me sort of settling into a slower pace of maybe a couple a year, but I'd like, to, I'd like them to be really good, you know, really exciting, best-selling, super, super useful books. I, I do expect there will be some decline in frequency, but uh, hopefully an increase in quality and an increase in uh, depth and, and number of sales. Where do we go to check more of what you do? Go to TakeControlBooks.com. There you can see uh, lots of books by me, but also a couple of dozen other great Mac and Apple-related tech authors and uh, tons and tons of good stuff there. Even if you are a Windows user or, or use an Android phone or whatever, there's still tons of good stuff there at TakeControlBooks.com. You can find us on Twitter. Look for Tech Night Howl. That's Tech Night Howl on Twitter. We have a second radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night called The Powercast at Powercast.com. And this week we have someone who claims to do healing, and she is going to try to perform some of her work on me, what's going to happen? Will I be here next week? Go to Paracast.com. That's Paracast.com. We also have a special feature of this show, the best way for you to support our work. Join Tech Night Owl Plus. When you join Tech Night Owl Plus, you get the commercial-free version of this show with better quality audio for a low subscription price, monthly, weekly, annually, whatever prices start at just $1.49 a week. Go to plus, P-L-U-S dot com, plus dot com. For more information, Joe Kissel, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.